listening to Historically Present. Hello, everyone. My name is Peter. And my name is Serge. And this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of the past, the present, and how that will all impact the future. And 2023 is coming to an end. Yep. Tick, tick. <laughs> Almost in the past. Uh, actually, I'm very excited because today's episode is going to have everything. Yeah. It was, I'm not worried about that at all. We're going to have the past, present, and everything in here. It's like the, the Spotify wrapped uh, of, our, <laughs> of our episode here. Episodes. <laughs> How's, how has uh, 2023 been for you, Peter? Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably something we should open with. Uh, 2023 was, um, it was a good year. It was a good year. Um, um, outside of probably how everybody would say <clears throat> the prices of gas, food, and energy um, uh, going up pretty much, I think everywhere, actually. Yeah. Um, other than that, a lot of good times, family, friends, kept, I don't know how many episodes we did this year, but we kept rolling. We kept rolling with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I would say on the personal side and even on the business side of my business, I think it was a good year. Yeah. Um, I will admit though, if I look at kind of the concept of the world and foreign if you call can i just lump it into foreign relations Mm -hmm. or foreign affairs no foreign affairs there we go Mm -hmm. i would say that took a hit yeah i took a big hit actually i don't know how what would you say yeah for me i think um personally we uh it was pretty decent year i would say decent year except my wife um unfortunately broke her elbow which that's right Folks, do not break your elbow. It is not a fun thing to deal with. Uh, so super thankful for like modern medicine. And <laughs> she, she's able, uh, she was mm. able to get um, some uh, plates put into her elbow and, and wow. move again. But that was wow. like a, wow, wow, wow. that was a hit that kind of took our family a few steps back, I would mm-hmm. say. Just... Um, Overall, you know, we had to, I had to like stay at home and, mm-hmm. and do a lot of stuff like that. So that was, uh, but, but, you know, looking at the positive side that I think that brought us close together and it, and it was a good thing. I mean, not, not her breaking it, but kind of a, kind of a good thing to spend some time together and uh, um, wish it was better circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah business wise too, not, not too bad. And um, right. I, I'm with you there. I think the big concern that I have is like, what kind of world are we living in? Yes, anymore, no, right? I, agree, I agree with that. It's like, can anything else go wrong? And <laughs> what is what is uh, what's causing all this stuff? So I think we'll probably dive into some of that stuff here today. But um, yeah, I think we got a lot to talk about. A lot of different various topics to wrap up the year. <clears throat> I will say this for all of you who have continued to listen in. Um, that has been a great joy to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. Obviously, you know, the timing sometimes is, is is always maybe difficult for us a little bit, but it brings us a lot of joy to be able to talk through this. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think there's some gratitude there. I think I probably yeah. need to remind myself. Um, yeah. We're very, th- we're very thankful for you all. 
Yep. Let's put that and way. to our super fans, you're welcome. Yep. Uh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> here's another. Here's another couple hours of uh, right, Elvis talking. Oh, again. No, talking again. Yeah. Oh. No. Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's 2020. Okay. So this is what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Do you? Just everyone, humor me for a second. Is there any part of you that misses 2021? Or 2020? I kind of miss pre-COVID 2020 a little bit. I'll, I'll say oh, that. you do? <clears throat> I think the world was way different back then. And the... We only had like a, two months of that. Yeah. Yeah, we had... Well, yeah, we basically had January and, and, and February, half, of, half, half, half of February, February basically, yeah. right? But I think um, in many respects, the world... And kind of the the zeitgeist of the world was so different back then. I That's mean, true. We looked yeah. at things completely differently. Um, a lot of, and I'll probably get into this a little bit, but um, some of the stuff with Russia and Ukraine actually started or, or got a lot of its juice in 2020, you know, before, right when COVID started. So um, I think that we were maybe a little bit, I wouldn't say naive, but we were a little bit more, more trusting and uh you know i think society was perhaps a little bit more civil and uh now it, it seems like we're kind of losing that we're losing uh well we'll, we'll get into all this stuff right because we're losing some of that uh some of the issues here with with just society and how things are falling uh unfolding for a lot of countries and so yeah how about you I'm not going to lie. There's moments sometimes where I miss it. Yeah. Um, now, I want to be very clear. Everybody has to understand uh, in 2020 and 2021, obviously, COVID was, COVID was the bad thing. I want to yeah. be very clear on that. But there, <clears throat> maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I am thinking more so along the lines of early 2020. Because like in April of 2020, mm-hmm. pretty much everyone was like, I guess we're going to kind of band together, spend time with the family right. that we love. Um, that set a lot of, I mean, COVID did, COVID just amplified everything that was already in the path of yeah. something. Uh, I think we're even seeing that right now. I know in our area right now, we just had a, it's been kind of, it's been kind of remedied, but um, to me, one of the big things that, Nobody is, well, maybe I should save that. But I think one of the things that people aren't talking about enough right now that has really changed since COVID that impacts a lot of things is childcare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean that. Yeah. That is like a, I want to say sleeping giant, but it is, it is, it is underneath so much as far as like how that starts yeah. affecting things, workforce, literally the future, like, um, yeah, oh. the costs. I mean, like it. It's, it's, uh, and I don't know why, but for some odd reason, I feel like prior to 2020, that it just wasn't as. It was there, but it wasn't as crazy as it is now. Yeah, and with everybody working, yeah. Anyways, sorry, I'm getting down a tangent here. No, I want to talk about this, but I don't know where the right spot to talk about this <laughs> is. So let's. I think it's important we start moving forward a little bit first. I do agree we need to talk about OpenAI first yeah. because if there is anything I will admit in the business world that has really 
mm-hmm. start to pull some levers, push some buttons, is OpenAI. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I think we we talked about it a little bit on the um, on the previous podcast, but uh, obviously since then a lot has changed and a lot has happened. Uh, we talked about um, them releasing some new developer tools and some kind of some really cool ways to uh, use OpenAI's ChatGPT, which most of you are probably familiar with that. Um, but all good things come to uh, well an end, <laughs> a temporary end, <laughs> a temporary end. <laughs> And uh, uh, we we got some shocking news that um, and and obviously we're replaying this from 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 uh, from the future from after this happened. But um, on November, so OpenAI right is the company behind uh, ChatGPT. Yeah, Sam Altman was the CEO. He ran the company, um, loved by his employees, and um, they had a let's just call it a non traditional. St- structure of the board very there's like a there's like a for-profit arm that that they started there was a yeah if you look at the structure it's just it's hard to explain it's hard it's very difficult it's it's, think of it this way there's like a non-profit that oversees decisions for the for-profit yeah yeah and and here's which which that in and of itself already sounds strange you're like wait you got a for-profit business that is oversought by a non-profit yeah right So anyways. And here's kind of the, yeah, and, and Sam Altman, the CEO, actually has zero equity in OpenAI, which is yeah. which is wild, right? He he runs probably the, one of the most cutting-edge successful companies in in recent modern times, and uh, he's got he's got no cut of it. So um, looks like so so kind of jumping into the story here, and I'll I'll try to be brief with the timeline, but um. On November 16th, so this is about a week before Thanksgiving in, in the United States here, um, a board member, his name is Ilya Sutskover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... Which Elon Musk thinks is a really brilliant guy. Yep, which actually he, he is a, he's a brilliant dude. Definitely a brilliant dude. Um, he is one of the board members of OpenAI. I think they had five board members. Uh, he essentially texted uh, Sam Altman on Thursday evening and scheduled a Friday noon call using Microsoft or no Google meet, which who, who, who schedules a meeting with Google meet. That's why I use it. Nobody else is doing it. <laughs> right. Um, in that meeting, uh, essentially I think Sam thought it was just him and Ilya that were yep. going to be talking, but it was Ilya and the rest of the board. And in that meeting, the board said, Hey, we're going to let you go. It's not us, it's you. And uh, they let him go. Subsequently, after that, they, they, uh, so this was not the full board as well. There was another, another guy on the board. His name is Greg Brockman. Another, they're all Silicon Valley, you know, they've, they started companies, that sort of thing. Sam also gets a Google Meet meeting invite and gets told the same thing. We're going to let you go. So they fired him from the board. And literally all hell just breaks loose. I mean, I, I remember this day because I was like wrapping up for the day, and I it just seems. <laughs> sure good- by, by the way, one other thing we need to add in there that I think even those of you who have been paying attention to this, the previous week they did their like yeah conference, their developer conference, right? Like think like WWDC yeah. type stuff yep. for Apple. Yep. The week prior. Yep. Imagine Tim Cook. You're out. 
the next week. Yeah. I mean, what, at what, when no one thought it was like a bad conference at all type yeah. scenario. So I had to keep going. Yeah. So that, that happened. Um, and then some researchers start resigning. They hear about this. Um, right. Sam posts on Twitter on X. Um, so does Greg, you know, um, and it was just really, really, really bizarre. Uh, <laughs> they removed him from the, the OpenAI website. I mean, and then Brockman. Um, so I, I take it back. Brockman didn't get fired. Yeah. He actually quit. So he actually was told about this. And um, the VP, I think, of product or one of the one of the hires, yeah. Mira Murata, she got told the night before that Sam was getting fired. And she's so, gonna be interim CEO. She's right? gonna be interim CEO. Yep. So she was all like, uh, "Okay, okay, sounds good." Um, and when she was, then she's like, "Why did he get fired?" Right, right. And and that's that's the that was the million billion dollar question. It like, still is, isn't still it? Still kind of is, right? Yeah. Why did he actually get fired? Well, there's some theories which we'll get to here. Um, and obviously, this shift of executives, uh, you know, leaving the company. That spooks a lot of people, especially your biggest investor. You know, a little company out of uh, Redmond, Washington called Microsoft. Um, Microsoft is one of the biggest investors and partners with OpenAI. So if you ever use uh, Microsoft Edge, there's... Microsoft kind of owns OpenAI. Yeah, they, they pretty I mean, much. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how they... They don't have a board seat either. They don't which have a board another, seat. Another yeah. bizarre another thing, thing, right? Yeah, another thing we learned right now. So they they rapidly make an announcement. And here's a shocker. Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, didn't even know about this until like five minutes before they published the 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 press release that says Sam was fired. Right. Wild, crazy stuff. Like that's irresponsible. I have some theories, but you keep okay. going. Okay. Okay. You keep going here. So on Friday, so that, that happened on Thursday and Friday, there was an all-hands meeting where Ilya basically defended the ouster of Sam Altman. Um, you know, he it basically was seen sort of as a hostile takeover. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Ilya had a lot of concerns about the safety of AI, especially where OpenAI was going, which we'll get to that in a second. They announced the the... Uh, the firing of Sam and then uh, Brockman got de- demoted. Basically, um, he was he was actually the board chairman, um, but he was demoted just to to a board seat. Um, and then things completely just go crazy. Um, investors are furious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they start like putting pressure on OpenAI's board to reinstate Altman. I mean, um, and then Altman comes out is like, hey. Today was a weird experience in many ways. One of the most unexpected was that it's been sort of like reading your own eulogy while you're still alive. The outpouring of love is awesome. One takeaway, go tell your friends how great you think they are. That's what he wrote. And he also hinted at a potential new venture, um, which one of the things that he wanted to do was actually build a AI-specific chip, right? So they in OpenAI, they talked about building a chip that could make all the AI stuff faster and better. And that was turned down. Um, and then over the weekend, like it was, it was just like nonstop news. It was, it was just wild. And, um, <laughs> um, then Sam agrees to meet at open AI headquarters. He posts a picture on X where he's like getting a visitor badge and stuff, which is really bizarre. You know, it's like, 
Oh, is that what that he, was? Yeah. Okay. He got a visitor badge. That's right. I mean, he run, ran the place, but um, they they hire a... So Mira, basically, she steps down as the interim CEO. Yep. They hire another person. Um, Emmett Shear, he was the co-founder of Twitch. Um, and he, you know... Oh, just it just it just keeps going, right? Um, this was November nineteenth, and then on the twentieth, um, Microsoft comes out and makes this massive announcement that Sam Altman and Greg Brockman and some of the colleagues are going to be joining Microsoft. Which, if you think about this, I think there was about five hundred people at that time that were like, "We're quitting OpenAI." So f- Sam Altman. Greg Brockman and 500 others were going to take their talents and go play for Microsoft. Actually, even better yet, um, there was some stuff like Salesforce. Basically, it it was almost like, um, to me, it reminds me of the moment um, one time on a freeway, this truck like overturned and it was on top of a bridge and it didn't injure anybody. But what happened is the, the, the vehicle exploded and it was full of cash. <laughs> and it just started raining cash yeah. down on everywhere, down yeah. below. And people just went hog wild, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, that's basically what this was turning into. It was yeah. like this co- this company that was like, I mean, in a weird way, it's almost kind of like, imagine Apple. Tim Cook gets out and all of a sudden, yeah, 70% of the staff is like, we're gonna walk out. We're gonna go to Samsung. I mean, can you imagine yeah. the like absolute? <laughs> yeah. I mean, insanity that would follow. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't obviously that that super high, but basically at that yeah. point in time, every every tech company you can imagine was like, "Gret, start making offers now. Make ridiculous offers now." Oh yeah, I think sales Salesforce like Mark it, Benioff from Salesforce was like. What personally was DMing people. Yeah, what was it? Like a mill at least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, hey, come a work at A million dollars to come yeah. work for them. Well, to, <clears throat> to be fair, that's only a slight bump. OpenAI... How much is the pain? Engineers what? are paid $952 million. No, you're kidding dollars a year. Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. $952,000. Yeah. Which is like... People, if you've ever saw, thought that you made poor life decisions, <laughs> that right there is a good example of one right there. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. That's insane. But you got to consider that's, that's as, as a as an employee. Yeah, yeah. You got to consider though where they're living and the cost of living. So that nine hundred thousand. How much is, is, remote, is probably though? about a doctor's salary here in the Midwest? Yeah, so I suppose, probably yeah. like two fifty, yeah, three hundred. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, if if you consider like the cost of living and stuff and all the things. So right? what? What about some some guy in like Colorado? Could he work from home and do it? I don't know. I don't know if they they had that. Uh, I think most of them were on the on the site. Actually, there I don't know if they were all okay. Remote, By the way, we need to come back. See, see, even Silicon Valley is getting trying to get everybody back in the Jeez. building. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I got I got to talk about that later. Um, okay, keep going. Yep. Yeah, so and then the strangest thing happened. So again, uh, all these employees are like, Hey, we're going to, we're, we're taking off with Sam. We're going to basically, we're getting out of here. And, and Microsoft, uh, so to finish my earlier thoughts, like there was a lot of concern on, on X where people are like, so basically Microsoft gets open AI for free. Is that right? 
because that's kind of what it was looking right. like. Right. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. They didn't have to pay anything for it. They they were getting all the talent, um, and they would start their own, you know, awesome AI division that was going to be basically run separately from from the company, like kind of like Microsoft runs at LinkedIn. Um, Altman and Brockman then are considering a return back to OpenAI after this Microsoft deal is announced. Sounded like it wasn't even a done deal. And Satya was like, we're just going to try to, we're just going to try to placate everything and try to like just bring stability back because this is, this is affecting our core business now. Um, then they considered a merger and, and, and the merger was actually going to be done through a, through one of their, uh, rivals actually called Anthropic, which is <laughs> just another wild thing. Uh, so the two companies were supposed to merge, but that didn't, uh, obviously didn't happen. Um, and another really interesting thing is throughout all of this, Ilya, the guy who essentially initiated this, this uh, decision to remove Sam, he comes on X and writes this little thing here. And he says this, I deeply regret my participation in the board's actions. I never intended to harm OpenAI. I love everything we've built together and I will do everything I can to reunite the company. So Ilya has a mea culpa. He just uh, says, you know what? Um, I'm probably to blame, but I'm also sorry that, that, that this happened. Um, and the interesting thing is he actually signs that, that there, there was an open, there was a, a, an open letter that roughly 700 by this time around, well, yeah, around 500 employees of the 770 signed that basically says that, um, they might quit unless this, the entire board resigns and reappoints, uh, Sam back again as, as CEO, which, which is again weird. It's like I started this thing. Uh, I'm sorry, and I'm going to sign this letter to fire myself. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's super bizarre. Um, and as we continue on, you know the the tensions just continue boiling uh, at the board. You know they're they're trying to figure this stuff out, and 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 meanwhile, like all of tech, Twitter, all of tech. Uh, industries just like what is going on this is this is this is so wild this, this company was thought to be stable and this, this company was like known to be you know in a in a in a really good place but none of that was happening and so um finally we we get to November 21st and uh Sam is in talks with the board and <laughs> with with all of that uh finally finally opening eyes Sends out a, a post. We have reached an agreement to participate <laughs> in principle. How much? How much do you think that agreement was? I don't know. I mean, you just talked about all the different hoops. Yeah. The guy who said it must it must have been really bad. Yeah. So they said we're uh, reaching an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return to opening eye as CEO with a new initial board of Brett Taylor. Uh, who's a, who knew? Who's a new guy that joined the board? Yeah, is the chair Larry Summers and Adam Adam D'Angelo. So they removed a couple f- folks. They got some new folks in there. 
Um, it sounds like they're still working out the structure of the board. Um, Microsoft probably wants a seat on the board. Um, and they got one as a as a observer, but not really a full seat. So, um, so yeah, it was just a bizarre. Like I, I know a lot of people on on X were just like, I haven't slept for three or four days because I'm trying to cover this whole thing. To yeah, some uh, some journalists. So, so it was really bizarre. Um, and I think so. There's been theories that are floating around. Yes, what do you why think? Why this happened? And I'll, I'll share kind of one the one that I think is is credible enough okay um so besides all of the besides all of the uh issues that you know or or the direction that sam wanted to go it sounded like sam had some you know some issues with with some folks there uh he wanted to take things in a more you know commercial direction if you will um but i think Sometime earlier this year, uh, there were signs and indications that um, OpenAI was able to do something called, uh, implement something called QSTAR. So it's Q with that asterisk, QSTAR learning, pronounced QSTAR. Um, and this brought just a lot of fear in in some folks in the in the in the OpenAI and in the AI community in general. So Ilya is one of those guys that's kind of like we need to put he's kind of like Elon Musk. We need to put a lot of guardrails around AI because it's going to be way smarter than any human and we don't know the damage it could do, right? And Q star learning is one of these ways that uh, potentially could lead to uh an AI that's like a way smarter than a human. So um so what's Q? Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Way smarter than the human. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it, yeah. Q star could. It's it's. Let me explain what that is. But it, it could it could lead to a point where it's it's super it's super. Okay, so that's not knowledge. what I was led to believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Continue. Wow. So I mean, this is kind of like a whole Game of Thrones <laughs> succession <laughs> type of a battle that's been happening there, but. Um, um so we watched a man get his get a get a sword stuck in his back then pulled back out patched up by the person who put the sword in his back and then put back on the throne yeah pretty much yep. wow yeah so i'm gonna read uh from uh so <clears throat> called decrypt.co <laughs> um they have a kind of a nice write-up of this so um unmanned sources told reuters that OpenAI cto mira Murati, which she was again promoted to see interim ceo for a while Yes. Said that a major discovery described as Q-Star was the impetus for the move against Altman, which was ex- executed without participation from the board chairman, oh. Greg Bogman. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Just back up a quick second. Yep. Are you saying that one of the board chairs said this? No. Who, who said that? So this was unma- unmanned or unnamed sources, rather. Um, okay, so this it is unnamed. Yep. Okay. All right. Sorry. Okay. And, Sorry. I, and the I, person I, that mm. so the unnamed sources told Reuters, but they said that it was Mira Marathi. Yeah. That told uh, that basically shared about this major discovery. Um. So, um. You know what in the world is Q Star, and why should we care? You know, we like mm-hmm. to go into that stuff here. So, um. Let me let me read from what uh what Q Star really is. So. 
it's it's tied to this concept of that's called cue learning. And I, I'm I'm trying to not get super technical here, but um, I'll try to explain this in a way that you know I'm still struggling with. I feel like there's one thing that I heard that that's that's what I have internalized, but you keep going. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So so cue learning it's it's a type of reinforcement learning. Um, basically, it's an it's a method where AI learns to make decisions by trial and error. Um, in cue learning. An agent, so an agent meaning like an AI, right? Like yep. a chat GPT. A chat sort of GPT, thing. yep. They learn to make decisions by estimating the quality of action state combinations. Okay, so that's really technical, but basically what it's saying is they learn by trial and error. Okay, now how is that different from today? So yeah. t- today's approach is um, they call it, it's a RLHF, reinforcement learning through human feedback. Um, so today's approach, it um, it relies solely on human feedback that says, so the AI has, uh, you know, is told to do something uh-huh. and it does something. And then a human reviews it and they're like, oh, yep, that's right. And the AI is like, okay, great. That's how I, that's how I continue to, to do this. That's how I continue to do this. Okay. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example of, uh, of, uh, of, a real world, world, real world scenario that has kind of explains this a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, and this is again from that decrypt.co article here. It says, imagine a robot navigating a maze. With cue learning, it learns to find the quickest path to the exit by trying different routes, receiving positive rewards set by its own design. But read, huh, read that again. Receiving positive rewards set by its own design when it moves closer to the exit. Wait. And neg- negative rewards when it hits a dead end. Okay. So let me see if I can talk to this through like a layman's terms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can, uh, can I just finish the, you, this right, here and then going. you can talk through yep, it? Yep, yep. Um, over time, through yeah. trial and error, <laughs> okay. the robot develops a strategy, which which they call a cue table, that tells it the best action to take from each position in the maze. The process is autonomous, relying on the robot's interactions with its environment. Okay. So <clears throat> let's let's take the human yep. human concept for a second. Yep. If I if um some people have said like if you want to you know, change your behavior, like um let's say you want to eat or you want to exercise better. Yep. Some of the best ways to do it is you go run, you know, push yourself really hard, and then ironically you eat like a little bit of a candy bar as like a reward for doing that. Sure. Sure. Like you're reinforcing mm-hmm. yep. like positive or like a good emotion with this. So what you're saying is this machine, Q, it it creates its own reward. Yep. So like it 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 can deter it can by the way, this 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 is odd to me because this is where I'm struggling between the human and a machine all of a sudden. Why does it even need a reward? But let's even say that it does need a reward, which, by the way, sounds like it's still reflecting the human mindset in some capacity, right? Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying if it goes um, and it tries to think of the maze again, yeah. finds a dead end, it's like, oh, whoops, goes around, finds the next spot, it's like, oh, good job. And it gives itself a virtual candy bar, if you will, as like, yeah, good job, good yeah. job. 
Yeah. And you're on the like, right path. You're on exactly. the right path. Yeah. You're on the right path. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. How does it even know what the end goal is? Well, you you tell at the end goal. Oh, right? you've you told say, you've told like this is yeah. this is the end point. You say you're in a maze and you you have to find your way out. So, um, to kind of use that that same analogy here, if the robot is using the current method, which is that reinforced human yes. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Instead yeah. of finding things out on its own, mm-hmm. a human would have to intervene when the robot reaches a junction to indicate whether the robot's choice was wise or not. So, in that case, if the if the robot reaches a dead end, the human's like, nope, this is bad. This is bad. This is wrong. And so this is where this whole Q learning, this whole Q star, I mean, I, th- I think the key word here is the robot develops a strategy. Whereas right now, humans have to tell it, yep, you're on the right track or don't go there. That's wrong. But with Q star learning, the robot, the robot develops a strategy. So, you know, another example just crazy. And I th- I, I'm going to try to make this make sense here is like chess, right? Learning oh. to play chess, right? We, we know right Holy now that, that humans are just decimated by chat and chat bots beca- or, or chess bots because these chess bots. We have bots, lost. Yep. So the, the current way would be, okay, we're going to feed it a bunch of chess games and the robot is going to, <laughs> or this chess bot is going to destroy us. Exactly. Right. Well, it's good. With Q star learning, what it could do is say, okay, you're playing a game. Um, and you play a game and you make a move. Yeah. We're not going to tell you what to do. You yeah. make a move. You make a move. And the robot's like, oh, let me move, you know. Let me move you. Let me move the uh, pawn to, you know, A A4. A4. Okay. <clears throat> horrible move. <laughs> that's that's horrible move. That's moving one of your end pawns uh, up. And... Through trial and error, and and the and the robot probably loses, you know, a game because the human will outcompete or, or another bot will outcompete it. Wow! But through Q star learning, let's say we don't limit it to one game, but we say you're going to play five thousand games. Jeez! And by the time you reach some of those later games, the 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 chess bot that is using this new Q style Q star learning is going to get so good, is going to understand chess so much better that actually humans, when they look at that game, they'll be like, I, I don't understand this at all. And that's actually currently what it is, right? Like currently chess players yeah. do not understand chess bot moves because it's like the chess is the chess bot is thinking 70 moves ahead. It's crazy. Um. So what you're basically saying is the bot is able to practice. Yes. The bot is able to teach and itself. And unlike humans, it retains everything. It's able to teach itself. It's able to make its own strategies. It's able to reward itself for progress and and not punish itself, but, but um, set up b- roadblocks to not go down the same path that is not going to be viable, right? So... Knowing that, knowing kind of this really, you know, explain like I'm five scenario of, of Q-Star learning. Do you see why people were freaked out about OpenAI? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, because they might have just found essentially um, AGI, right? Yeah. General intelligence. General intelligence, which is, which is wild. So here's, here's the problem with all of that. 
So Elon says Elia won't say anything. No one from the board is told. Yeah. We still don't know. Still don't know. And I don't know if we'll ever know until they release Chad GPT-5 with QSTAR learning. No, they won't. <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine <laughs> they would do that. I don't know. Yeah. So that's kind of the drama. I mean, it... Nuclear it, bomb on jobs right there. Even I'll admit that. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's uh, There's a reason why OpenAI is one of these, like extremely watched companies uh, mm-hmm. from a lot of places because they're developing something that truly has never been developed, right? This They're the pioneers of this. Now, a lot of companies have ca- caught up. Oh, my word. Um, Google announced their... It's fake. Bard. It's fake. <laughs> it's fake? Have you not seen that? Well, yeah, the, the, the video... The that, video is fake. So they had a... Uh, it's in concept, but it's... They had a demo. They're video. still behind. It seems yeah. like yeah, they got they caught they got caught right yeah. in a little bit, um, but the Google actually aim so they they launched a thing called Bard, which is basically their answer to Chat GPT, and that was launched earlier this year, which which is crazy. I think we talked about it in our one of our previous uh, episodes. Fantastic um, game, and. Yeah, I'm kidding. Exactly right. Kidding. Oh, um, it's a four-letter word. <laughs> and they released their their basically their backend update to Bard, which is called Gemini, which uses a lot more up-to-date information. It's it's basically it's Google is saying that it, it catches up to ChatGPT four or four point five. So I've been using it a little bit. It's pretty good. You think so? It's pretty good. Okay. Um, obviously, Microsoft is really embedding themselves with OpenAI, and that that will probably continue. Um, Apple, this is this is fascinating. Okay, Apple, you guys all know Apple is like this super secretive company. We don't hear nothing until launch day, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, blown. We're all blown away. We're all blown away. So Apple has recently started um, publishing some some AI or some like peer-reviewed papers, right? And they published one recently, like a couple days ago, where they were able to... And I, it, it's, it got really technical, and I didn't really quite understand how, what, what the paper was about, because it was sort of vague as well. But essentially, they figured out a way to um, be able to use these large, large language models, which is what ChatGPT and BART are all based off. There's, basically, they consume tons of information, and they give you results back. They were able to figure out how to get large language models using a sp- special type of RAM or like a, a special type of way to process them on your phone. So what this is hinting at is next year, iOS 18 will probably be baked fully, fully with all kinds of generative AI from Apple. Now, we know they're they're a year and a half late uh, to the party, but... Um, knowing Apple, they will probably come up with something that's insanely amazing. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think we're at the. Did you just send a message? I did. How did that? <laughs> how did that happen? I don't know. Peter's multitasking here during the podcast. 
We get alerts from family members every now and then. We got to deal with sometimes. I apologize. Uh, no, it's all good. Um, the uh, oh shoot, I'm gonna get. We're gonna get one in the mail. We're gonna get one here. Now we're coming back. That's to fine. That's okay. okay. Um, but I think that <clears throat> that people, I think we have to look at this time right now as kind of like the, you know, we're 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 dipping our toes into the river. Yeah, that's for sure, right? And this river is kind of a really fast-moving river, and we don't really know where it's going to take us. No. Um, and we're probably further than dipping toes already. We're kind of like, you know, up to the knees now, maybe. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yes. And all it takes yeah, 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 yeah. is a is a is a is a weird current that's going to sweep us, and then we're then we then the world as we know it is is no longer the same. We've been building the channels, been yeah. bi- building the 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 flow for for this AI yeah. to I mean, to kind of go into the world. The problem is is if you have a queue, it's like it's like you just had a a dam break upstream yeah. and it's going to a lot of things are going to get soaked. So let me give you a real real world example. And this oh, is something no. that that has been happening right now. And you probably know where I'm going maybe with this. Okay, but, okay. But both Ukraine and Russia yeah. have been building algorithms, AI algorithms into their drones to essentially autonomously detect enemy fighters and oh, right. drop weapons. Drop weapons. So imagine... So to, to autonomously drop weapons. Well, I don't know if it's autonomous to drop yet. I mean, you have to get to the first part of it, right? Where you can see, oh yeah, this is the enemy soldier. Um, but they're wow. they're working overtime on this stuff, right? So, really? Yep. Yep. Um, but imagine Q star learning with that, right? So you 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 build that in. You're like, hey, fly over this area, go figure out who's the enemy. And this AI could potentially get so good. I mean. <laughs> That's real world. That's happening today, right? This is not even concept. Uh, so, so they're developing AI for all the drones that they're that they're using to, you know, drop munitions on one another, and that is going to change warfare forever. I'm sure the U.S. has stuff too that we're working on. All right, you know what? This is a mo- okay. This this it's time to segue. Okay. Are we good to segue? Yeah, we're good to segue, yeah. Okay. I want to do a little quick rant as we get into kind of some of the updates on the other side of the world uh, when it comes to something called war. Okay. I hear a lot of people in this in this country complain about the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I want to start by saying I know where they're coming from. Yep. I understand the concerns. I do. However... Let me just for a second here, even if in a hum in a, in a comedial way, even if I have to, just give it some I don't know. Um, just 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 hear me out for a second, okay? If, <laughs> if you go back to the Great World Wars, okay, mm-hmm. in the twentieth century, which by the way wasn't that long ago. I literally was watching a documentary last night of World War One guys mm. talking about trench fighting and how terrible it was. Um, and it was le- legitimately World War One veterans, I think, shot before they all died or something like that. Anyways, mm. it, was, it was utterly heart-wrenching and, and sad. I want to be very clear that this is not 
not trying to say like, oh, we need to go to war. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if you are in a war or you are trying to prepare yourself if for the potential that war will happen, and by the way, I do believe war will happen. I am not some guy who believes we're going to all live in peace because I just don't think that everyone wants to live in peace or everyone feel, or somebody out there feels like this belongs to us. And that just starts to set things in motion. So with that being stated, that was where my initial premises. I'm just going to throw this out there. In a situation where things get a little messy or dicey, you want to have a military industrial complex at work. Yes. By the way, we are people are complaining right now that we're 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 beefing things up. Okay, the war in Ukraine, which is just isolated to Ukraine and Russia, they are spending more 155 projectiles than mm-hmm. we can make in a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, just 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 hear me out for a second. Regardless of what you think about, like if that's a good thing or bad thing with the Ukraine war, just from a where we are currently as America, you want to be able to do that. Yes. If you need to turn the button to ramp up production, heaven forbid. And by the way, we're kind of dealing without Ukraine anyways right now. You want to be able to ramp that up. Okay. You obviously there's a reason why you have a stockpile, but even when you start using the stockpile, you got to start backfilling the stockpile. Right. One of the biggest lessons that World War One realized is they had like used up almost all their shells in like the first sixty days. Yeah. So all I'm saying is you want to have a military industrial complex. So the moment we start saying like, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be like funding this. Like, do you think that Russia or China? Isn't like trying to think about how to make Q star for their own systems. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think we want to be able to have that. Mm-hmm. You know what? If the government is listening, I hope in Area 51, you've got some wild <laughs> thing going on there that is somehow going to defend this country. Now, I'm saying defend. Okay. You just hear me out on that. But just, but can, can, can everyone just take a minute and pull back for a second and realize like, you know what? Maybe it's not a terrible thing that the U.S. has like an actual hammer, okay? Or maybe some potential crazy technology. This isn't the end of the world. Yes, I agree. We don't want to use for nefarious purposes. I I understand that. I don't want that to happen myself. But I'm just saying, if our enemy, do you think they're not going to use it for nefarious purposes? Oh, yeah. I mean, just just start play, just start role playing these scenarios in your head for a second. Do you want to be on the side that has a chance? Or do you want to be on the side that's like, oh, you know what? We shouldn't be doing this. We need to pull back. We're going to get into this later. <laughs> but, there, but there's a development happening right now that we have got to, got to take, take a moment to realize, okay, the, the world is changing. And you know what? It is. We've talked about the fourth turning, everything of this nature before. We are we are now um, help me out. How many we're we're very close to twenty twenty five, aren't we? Yeah, which would be eighty years, correct? Mm-hmm. Since the end of World War Two. Yep. Okay, we are right at that mark. I mean, if 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 people didn't live as long as they did right now, almost all the people that had survived in World War Two would be dead right now. Yeah. So we are we are very close to losing all of the knowledge 
an experience that we had did back then. Thank God we have audio and video, like I was just saying, the documentary mm-hmm. we watched yesterday. I mean, these are all important things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Peter, if uh, if an alien hits the button to launch the missile, is that yeah, you know what? Considered I, want, automatic I want the or... military industrial complex system <laughs> to find a way to take it down. Like, I'm sorry. I, I don't... Oh. Forgive me. I know that th- there's like guys out there who are like, you know, they're using things like read our minds and whatever type no. of scenario. I can't prove that. I can't prove that. Who knows? Maybe some of you are like, oh, they already got to him. I don't know. But this is, let me just, that's my last point on this. The military industrial complex can be used nefariously. I completely agree with that. Listen, I'm a, one of my favorite presidents who I wish was alive today and honestly, quite frankly, our president right now, was Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. I would love to have Eisenhower as our president right now. By the way, the road system, the interstate system that we use, think how many tides that changed. Mm-hmm. Think of the commerce that involved, the businesses, private, personal. We use that thing every day, every hour of the day, every second of the day, hands down, guaranteed. It was, yeah. it was phenomenal. And he said, beware the military industrial complex. I completely understand. There's a warning there. But I would also say there's some level of like you need to be able to have the firepower to at minimum deter. So, all right. End segment. (laughs) End rant End rant. Um, Back to Surge. No, I think think you're right, Peter. I think in, in good times, the military industrial complex can be bad but in bad times it is good like for example imagine ukraine right now if they if they had a any semblance of a proper military industrial complex which right they're working on that now right they're obviously they're reforming they're getting their stuff but imagine if they had 10 years of some kind of a procurement system for military things for building drones for building all this other stuff. right now they're building it basically as diy now imagine taking the stuff that they're doing now and serializing it using better material right not using you know off-the-shelf commercial things but using military-grade hardware to build some of these drones and systems and all that kind of stuff the knowledge they have right now is insane is incredible and imagine having them being attacked by Russia while having some sort of a massive stockpile, which right. which they did, right? But but for old weapons, but a stockpile full of helicopters, a stockpile of of planes, Listen, well, of munitions, of all that stuff, right? I that would have changed the the, the the war would have been over. The war would have been over. By the way, do not think for a second that things are not happening on a stage right now that are not trying to test the military-industrial complex of the United States and its allies. Um, all right, let's... I don't want to get there. We'll talk about that in a second in kind of the yeah. Israel stuff. All right, let's move on. Let's just... Let's move into this. Um, of the update of Ukraine. Um, yeah. In Ukraine, um, as of today... As of today. We like to kind of... Um, mention this every every podcast we have just just to show you the <clears throat> the level of destruction of yeah. death um 
and this is this is just like this is dropping the the boulder in the still pond, right? There's mm-hmm. there's ripples that come from this, which we won't feel these ripples for years. Well, the Russian society won't feel them for no, years. Unfortunately, our kids probably will, but that's probably right. Annoying. So, as of today, three hundred fifty-two thousand three hundred ninety KIA Russians killed in action in the Ukraine war. That is, yeah, we're now we're now approaching the mark that even if we took our took the low end of that 50%, we're now more than what started the yeah. war, right? Yep. 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 Um, there's, there's reason to believe, and I kind of like to point this out every, every episode, just again, just to re- reinforce this, there's reason to believe that these numbers are pretty accurate because we've seen leaks from the Russian um, Ministry of, of uh, Ministry of Defense where they're ordering death certificates. Right. Coffins. I mean, this is hard stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know Ukrainian numbers. They're probably approaching a hundred thousand kill in action, if not, if not uh, already over that. Um, but uh, again, Ukraine doesn't publish their numbers, but it's. I think it's reasonable to say that we're around that hundred thousand, yep. maybe less, maybe more. Um, but. Uh, one of the one of the big developments here recently is is that uh, the Netherlands actually is prepared to send eighteen F sixteen fighters to Ukraine. Now yep. they're waiting on a couple, uh, like an export license from the Dutch Ministry of Defense, and they're also waiting on a few things that Ukraine has to implement, um, like in their airfields and that sort of thing. Right. Um, these are potentially game changers. We've talked about F-16s, but this is getting real. Um, I still think, personally, this is this is uh, too late. <laughs> this we, we should have had this um, a long time ago. The Ukrainians should have had yeah, this. Yeah, I will agree with that. I do think at this point in time, I mean, as I, I somebody would always say, like, better better now than never, I suppose. But, yeah. 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 But, um just to show you how like the effectiveness of these F-18s or F-16s is that they could now 18 of them, are they going to make a difference? I think in some ways they will, but not maybe the, the large difference that we do uh, that we'd want to see. Um, but this essentially gives, gives Ukraine parity when it comes to air superiority. Um, it lets Ukrainians plan attacks that use kind of that, you know, let, let's start with the air raid first. Let's bomb the crap out of that place, and then we'll send the the troops in, which is more of that standard NATO type of a battle. Like, well, it's combined arms, yeah. It's combined arms. Yep. It's kind of how every military does it nowadays. Um, and Except so, to the Russians. Well, the Russians tried. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Russians tried. Russians um, are like, yeah. There's a map. Bomb everything. Right. Then just throw the guys into yep. the mix. Yep. yep. So that that's a big step. I, I'm not sure when we'll start seeing them. I, I think my prediction is probably late January, February, we'll start seeing F-16s flying over Ukraine, which is going to be a huge morale boost, I think, for the troops. And Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I definitely think it really it would damper a Russian offensive. Yeah. I think yeah. that's if... Can I say that much? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do think that this is one of those things where... It's going to start putting things on the back hills of that. 
Um, just quickly note, Denmark also is looking to potentially deliver 19 yep. of those as well. So it's going to start to build up. And um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Ukrainian pilots have been training on these for probably a couple months now. So okay. since we had a, or a few episodes before we talked about this, so they've been training on them for a while. And I think, again, it's not necessarily the flying part that's the difficult part. It's like the learning all the controls it's, everything's in english so they're they're trying to find these fighter pilots that speak english that you know train them up for that um as well as the maintenance that's a huge huge part of that so um yeah the maintenance you know, side of this is like yeah this is not your this is you logistics know, issue yeah this is not your there. russian uh, su you know 35 or whatever that i mean obviously there's a lot of maintenance there too but like this is a whole beast whole another beast right um, mm. so Ukraine, um, right now is, is sort of facing, uh, I wouldn't call it a stalemate, but there's not a lot of actions. And in some ways, um, they're running into ammo shortages and they're having to pull back and kind of tactically retreat from certain areas because they just don't have any ammo to fight. Yep. Um, so that tells you kind of the, the volume of shells that you were talking about earlier that, that were, <laughs> There's just so much. Shit. By the way, I mean this, everyone. It's not just the fact that the U.S. needs this. It's the fact that our allies need this. The stockpile yeah. that was given to the Ukrainians came from other countries. Those other countries will get nervous about dealing out their ammunition if it cannot be backfilled. Yep. Absolutely. Right? Yep. I mean, that's... And, and the kicker is now, people, remember... War is happening. It's not, this isn't like theoretical. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. And I agree, we don't want war to continue, but like, you don't, you don't get to make that choice when it's happening. I think, and you need to be prepared for the fact yeah. that it can happen to you. Right? Right now, it's contained really to Ukraine and Russia. <clears throat> right. Mostly Ukraine, I would say. You, the, the land is suffering, right? The Donbass. Yeah. Now imagine that war, you know, spilling over into other areas. Like that's when that's when it's too late to say, oh, yeah, let's give you guys a couple billion dollars to to continue fighting, uh, to arm yourself and continue fighting this war. That's when troops from NATO are now going to be considered into action. We've already seen Russian um, drones land in Romania. Yeah. Um, which. It could be considered nobody, an no, article nobody, of war. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about it because we're like... I really want to know what would be the tipping point. Do we even... We have no idea. I, I, I'll I, put this out there. If a hundred... if a, No, okay, that's, that's maybe too many. But I think if you had less than five NATO members, servicemen, get killed, yeah, nothing would happen. I Yeah, you're probably right. I think it would have to be a Russian drone flying into like Romania, for example, or Poland and hitting a a depot, ammunition depot or something close to the border where it's it's not uh accidental. That would trigger World War Three, probably. Which is crazy to say that. But according to NATO you know, Article Five. One nation gets hit, everyone it, everyone has to come out. So, um, 
<sighs> Ukraine is in a weird spot right now. They've got indeed. They've got um, funding that's drying up. Um, the U.S. wanted to send, I think it was sixty billion, fifty, sixty billion, mm-hmm. something like around that, to both support um, Ukraine and also support Israel because that that's another thing that's been going on. Yep. Um, and Congress essentially just said we're not going to do anything until we get the border situation fixed. So they said, "Yep, well, you, we can vote for it, but that's gonna we're gonna vote against it." Which which the border is getting worse. I will the, admit that. I will absolutely. Stand. Holy cow! It's getting horrible. It's getting horrible. But again, it's one of those things where I don't understand it. Is like, can we not walk and chew gum at the same time? Can I, we not handle? Yeah, the border? I know. Uh, honestly, I will. I will get. This is a for one of the few moments where I'm definitely a foreign policy. We need to take care of our allies. I, I do mean that. I, I really do believe that. I'd also say we need to make sure we take care of our own people. And for some odd reason, how this cannot be. By the way, I think this goes for Republicans and Democrats. How you cannot come to an agreement on the border and supporting the our allies yeah. at the same time is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, what are you guys doing in, in what, office? What do you... Yeah. I don't, I honestly, I, I will admit the border is just absolutely insane. I know this is, we'll take a little tangent here for a second. Mm-hmm. Just everyone, just look it up. Look it up if you haven't. There's people, I mean, it is, it is ridiculous. Lots, lots and lots and lots of migrants. And there's moments, it is just, it is wide open. Wide open. Um, at times. It's not good. It is not good. So once again, I don't understand. By the way, I would also t- say this. Why Why is it taking this? At what point will the border get taken care of? I mean, South Dakota, by the way, which is where we're at. We sent our National Guard down there yeah. to try to help out. And that was over a year ago mm-hmm. at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's in 2021 even. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. What are we... That's a, that's a 2021 issue. Like, yeah. it's 2020. Almost, it's almost 2024. Yeah. Um, just Bye. reading. Uh, yeah, go ahead. An article here. On Wednesday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Wednesday this week? Yep. Wednesday before Christmas, everyone. Here we go. Go ahead. Encountered more than 12,000 undocumented migrants oh crossing word. the border for a third straight day. A new record. So They have to keep... There's 27,000 migrants in custody as of Wednesday night. Another record. You have to feed these people somehow. And 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 this this border thing is being politicized, I think. You know, obviously the Republicans are like, ah, we want the border before we do anything with Ukraine, which understandable there right but again why but but listen at this point in time can you not peel off like 10 democrats like i mean gavin newsom isn't happy about the border 
Gavin Ooh. Newsom. So, I, I mean, Eric Adams in New York yeah. is not yeah. happy about yeah. the governor of New York isn't. I think I will admit, I think it's time we have to fix this. I okay. really, I really do believe that. Let me just throw another number out there oh, God. for you Goodness. guys oh, just no. to put it in perspective. Oh, no. So, no, 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 no. Okay, this is numbers from August. The U.S. Uh, Border Patrol made... August. August of this year. Yep, 2023. <sighs> 181,059 apprehensions along the southern border. Um, say that again. How many? 181,000. In one month? In one month. In one month. A lot of times they can't do anything but process them and release them. Sometimes they release them into the United States. Sometimes they release them into back in Mexico. Now, by the, by the way, mm-hmm. just so everybody knows, that's an average of 6,000 a day. And how many did you say the last three days of the 12,000? 12,000. 12, yeah. We're talking, I don't know if it'll be double, but that's going to be, that's probably going to be yeah. close to 300,000 people this month. Yeah. So we are literally talking millions of people in a yeah. year. By the way, these are the ones they've caught. Yep. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and Republicans are obviously accusing the Biden administration of of supporting like policies that basically are too welcoming to this. Like, you know, instead right. of instead of doing a, a proper legal way of of border migration, they're just basically opening the borders and saying, eh, you know, go for it. Go go live somewhere in the United States and you know, if we catch you, we catch you, that sort of thing. But like the the amount of strain that this has on southern states um and where these migrants are even coming from they're not even they're not all coming from mexico no i think they're coming I, from central america from i think South somebody america. said i think zihan was even saying that like probably 90% or more are not coming from mexico they're coming from like Honduras. They're coming from Central Guatemala. America. Yeah, America. right. Like They're just, all over the world. And and this tells you just kind of this this crazy. It, listen, I'm an immigrant myself, right? And I yeah. I get the draw to America. The America is is the golden <laughs> land, right? It's the uh-huh. promised land. You can walk into the grocery store, and there are multiple types of apples. That's right. <laughs> there's not just one. There's multiple. Yeah. So I get the I I get the draw, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. desire to be here and, and start a you know better life for your family. Um, at, at, the, at the same time, I think like, you know, we have to do this the right way and we have to, and, and I don't have the answer to it. I don't know what the answer is. And I think both parties, both sides have to come to the table and come up with a common sense solution and even enforce some stuff like, like Mexico and, and, and Honduras. Like, why are they letting their citizens just walk through? Cause that's what they're doing. They're just creating these large trains of people that walk from Honduras to through Mexico yes. to the U S border. Like yes. what are you guys doing? Why uh, would you allow that? Right. <clears throat> the, um, I'll admit I have sympathy for certain, for certain countries more than I do others probably, which is not probably good. I, I will admit that. But I, at this point in time, I will say anybody coming from Venezuela, which probably take, Unless we know that it's 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 a truly a secret. Sorry, I, I'm sometimes torn on that because that is a, that is a country that just went down. Yeah, 
the persecution in that country is not. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there are legitimate reasons why people are coming from persecution in some capacity. I don't think that that is wrong. But either way, even let's let's even give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say all these people. Okay, that seems too much. Let's say eighty percent of these people fall into that camp. Mm-hmm. Okay, clearly we are going to have to figure something else out to like be able to process this better and to and to have these people like ha- have it figured out better. And by the way, I know that like the demographics of the world is is kind of headed down a little like it's, it's where the world's going to get smaller here. But with everything that's going on, do you think that immigration trying to get into America is going to go down anytime soon? No. Not a chance. Nope. Not a chance. People want to live where things are stable and safe and there's opportunity right. for their family. And you know what sometimes you got to do to try to do that? You got to help those countries out, create right. a good safe spot for that. I do believe that one of the best things that we could do for Central America, maybe even South America too, is we got to move some of this like industrial, um, like manufacturing and mm-hmm. stuff like this into this. I mean, that's that's one of my yeah. theories to try to help. Like create an econ- economic incentive right. for these people to. Yep. Um, listen. I'm a made in America guy. I completely I agree with that. Like I think that's a good thing to have. Yep. I'm also a made in like North America type guy. Yeah. Made in a South America type guy. I don't have a problem even made in China to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think that we should have everything underneath one country yep. though. I will admit that. Yep. Clearly we've learned that lesson. Well, I think we have. <laughs> okay. So back to kind of what we're talking Ukraine. about. Um yeah, the the, the government obviously um the hands are a little bit tied. In yeah, they're running out of funding. Um, you know, we heard we heard estimates that Ukraine might have two to three months left of basically armaments to be able to shoot at the Russians, and that's about it. Um, you know, there's. <laughs> I will say there are some clever ways that they're they're trying to uh, provide more aid to Ukraine. One of them is Russia's uh, foreign bank accounts. So Russia has about $300 billion in foreign bank accounts. Um, and the U S and other nations are trying to figure out a way how they can legally take that money and use it to give to Ukraine to pay for weapons purchases, that sort of thing. So that's, that's kind of a thing that's been, isn't the issue right now is stockpile. A lot of it is stockpile. A lot of it is just, you know, you know, there's people like, Lockheed Martin, they're they're making tons of shells. They're making tons of uh, stuff, and you have to pay for that stuff. So um, that's and that's again, we we talk, we hit this all the time. The money is not going to Zelensky, folks. It's not going to his pocket. <laughs> it's going to the U.S. for the most part. It's going back to Iowa, to Scranton, PA. It's going to Texas. It's going to all these places that are building the munitions and the shells and all the stuff that Ukraine is using, right? So it's not like it's we're sending them a blank check and just, yeah, here you go, guys. Do do whatever you want to do with it. So 
um, that money would go back to that that fifty or sixty billion part of that. You know, that's allocated for Ukraine would go back to the U.S. economy to pay for all these things. So, I think um, the winter is going to be probably tough. Um, but I will say, there's been some good news on the on the front here as of recently, as of yesterday, actually. Um, there is indications that a new Patriot system has been installed and, and started working in Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. Um, and how we know that is three Russian Su-35 planes were shot down. Wow. So, um, in one, in one, in, in, one in, in hours, in hours, within hours, which to us, probably non-military people are like, oh, well, just, just, just three of them. <laughs> That's huge, you guys. That's massive. And um, it's protecting the Kherson region and probably Odessa. So we're thinking that this this Patriot battery is now installed somewhere where basically it's protecting the southern part of Ukraine from a lot of these drone flights, you know, uh, from some of these missiles and from Russian airplanes that are flying through. So expect more of a pullback from you, Russia from that region, from flying that to that mm-hmm. region. And then when the F-16s come, that's going to be even more, more of a pullback. So um, another piece of good news for Ukraine, uh, this also came with a lot of, a lot of drama, is uh, the EU has voted unanimously, with an asterisk, to open ascension negotiations with Ukraine. So what so does this it will mean? become part of the EU. It will become part of the EU. So what does this mean? So um, there was a meeting with all the the leaders of the EU, um, and this was essentially um, there was a vote, and it has, I think it has to be unanimous. And the one guy, and here's the asterisk part: the one guy that was holding back and not allowing stuff to happen was Viktor Orban, Hungary. Hungary. Yep, he is a Putin ally. And uh, just just does not like Ukraine, does not like uh, what's what's happening with Ukraine and all that stuff. Um, and what's happening is that Victor was blocking this aid, and then Olaf Scholz, which is the Chancellor of Germany, is like, "Hey, why don't you go have a coffee?" Kind of gave him an out, and Victor left. And then at that, when he was gone from the from the meeting the EU members all voted to unanimously approve ascension talks for Ukraine and uh, Moldova. That's right, Moldova. Yep, yep. Moldova is leaving the independent states. Yeah, yep. So Maybe. It's, uh, it's, it's not a done deal. I mean, this is just the beginning of it. Um, Turkey has been in ascension talks for over 20 years now, since like 1999. And they have not been approved to be the EU, possibly because of some political considerations. Obviously, Turkey is, you know, majority Muslim country, and some of their laws and some of their values don't align with the European values, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, you know, Ukraine probably is not going to be admitted anytime soon. Um, but this is a huge, huge, like, strategic and goal-oriented step for Ukraine, I think. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people were really happy about that. Um, again, it's not, not anything tangible yet, but it's a, 
really good step in the right direction, I think. Hmm. Good stuff. Yep. Well, um, I'll, 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 end on, I'll end on one more thing here for yeah. Ukraine. I started, so I, I think I shared this with you, Peter. I was listening to um, a book on Ukraine. <laughs> it's called, oh. and listen, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that everyone that has a chance or is interested in this conflict to learn more about the background would either buy to, to read or, or listen this listen to this book. It's called it's called Overreach. It's by written by um, Matthew Owens, who I think his mother is half Ukrainian, half Russian. So he's got he speaks Russian. He was in he was a correspondent for Russia for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book really um, delves deep into the events that kind of like are leading up to this this war, and it talks about um, Putin. Uh, you remember I, my comment about COVID, like COVID really um, enhanced his paranoia, like yeah. shut him down. He would, uh, in this book, it details like, you know, oh, any, right. any minister that wanted to talk to him yeah. would have to isolate for seven days mm-hmm. and then talk to him. Like, and by isolate, I mean, you're sitting alone in a room for seven days. So he got really paranoid. Um, he... Matthews has, you know, lots of in source, uh, lots of insider sources in in the Kremlin, uh, captured Russian soldiers, um, and he's obviously done a lot of. He speaks Russian, you know. He's done a lot of experience or, or reporting rather in Moscow and in Russia, um, and so it it's a fascinating account that explains why this war is happening. How did Russia even take this like suicidal approach to, to the war and what's going on? So again, the book is called overreach by Owen Matthews. Highly, highly, highly recommend that. So. Yes. I think we're going to need to talk a little more about that next podcast. Quite Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have, um, there's also one more thing that has happened very recently yeah. That we want to make sure everybody is aware of. <clears throat> the Germans are back. They're coming back. The Germans are back. <laughs> That's right, everyone. Um, if that sounds slightly World War II-esque, it is. It is very much World War II-esque. Um, oh, man. You just wanted to play that song, didn't you, Peter? <laughs> yes. Erica. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's about some guy and his uh, girl back home, basically. Yeah. It was a commonly sung song, it uh, sounds like, right. during the World War II amongst the Germans. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, the reality is, uh, the German army is uh, been deployed. <laughs> oh my word! Uh, Tell us. More. You know what? This is, by the way, this is why this podcast is a big fan of Peter Zihan. It's because he keeps talking about stuff, and you know what? It you you see it happening. And he has long stated, he's like, one of the biggest issues in Europe is Germany and Russia will do their darndest to have peace, and then it won't work, 
and then eventually they'll be at each other's throats um, type scenario. And um, I I do recommend there's a video that, I don't know if I should play this right now, but like he talks about, it talks about this and how this is, in one sense, in the short term, a good thing. So 5,000 German troops will be deployed to Lithuania, which they've been there before, by the way. Um. (laughs) And you're not talking about just uh, for an exercise. You're talking about a permanent base in Lithuania, right? Yes. Uh, At least it's um, a deployment rotation at minimum, I think. I mean, they're going to be there a while. This is not some... Yeah, this is... I'll put it this way. This is not a training exercise. Yeah. This is like stationed... well, I'll put it this way. These would be the guys that would react to something happening in the area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. It's a <laughs> it's a permanent German brigade permanent of about 4,800 soldiers <laughs> in oh, Lithuania. Word. How do you not, like, just start saying, like, invader in, uh, I don't know, Russian or what are they, what do they speak in Lithuania? Um, Lithuanian. That is that is a language. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have some Russian there too. I thought we got Russian there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, huh, again, they're on the Russian border, and will be combat ready in 2027. So this is not happening tomorrow. Oh, it's not happening tomorrow. Okay. But I think you like your 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 By desire way, to talk about this is like holy cow. Why yeah. Are, no. This is this is this is a development that is shocking. Think of it this way. Nobody really thought too much, even though there was like a little bit of like, oh, man, when the Japanese got deployed to Iraq, like mm. it was one of those moments like, oh, the, there's some Japanese forces back in the world there's, stage. There's some weird feelings. There's, about there's, there's that, some right? weird feelings about that. Uh, this one is, I would say, way weirder than the Japanese scenario. Um Just because they they had yeah. some Lithuanian lands captured in World War II, oh, and now man. they're going back to they're, no, they're going back. to that. I, uh, listen, I I I don't want to sound paranoid, but the reality is is there there is something different here because although Germany is an ally, it's part of the EU. Mm-hmm. Do never think that Germany doesn't ever have like issues with its neighbors or anything of this nature. Um, for sure, one of the, for sure, one of the uh, um, biggest losers of this, I think, as I would say appropriately, is Russia. Majorly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, keep in mind, three, three years ago, Germany was getting, like, natural gas from these guys. Oh, more, P- Peter, Peter. More than that. I, I mean, mean, Germany like, was in bed with Russia. They were like trying. Not even three years ago. This is 2022. Yeah, that's a good point. They were Just in last bed year. with Russia. They were so close. I mean. And now they are working on a force that will be stationed on its border mm-hmm. with Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany has donated tanks to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Leopard to one Leopard 1s, Leopard 2s. Uh, by the way, those are some wild looking tanks. Number three, uh, they're backfilling what seems like what is in development called the Panther. By the way, that also is a German tank name yeah, from a, World War II. That's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. 
um and the and then and the and the 2020 i don't know seven panther version here okay is wildly (laughs) ferocious looking type type vehicle top of the line like super decked out with all kinds of sensors and technology that that will never i'm not saying that the u.s will not have something similar but keep in mind this is this is the tiger tank of uh of uh, mm. of this century mm. um coming out into play. And um who knows if it'll be used or not. It's pretty doesn't. Yeah. It's pretty doesn't. <laughs> listen, listen, the whole Germany Ukraine uh Germany Russia thing. I mean, again, shout out to that that book I was reading the the Owen Matthews book, uh Overreach. He made a comment in there that as I started thinking about it, I was like you're right. And the comment is, is something along the lines of Russia today does not exist without Western technology, without right. Western brands. With If you look at Russia today, they've had, you know, since 1990, what is it? 23 years, right? Mm-hmm. 91, uh, 22 years or so. They had 22 years to build something and export it that the world wants. And the only thing they've really managed to build that the world wants is military hardware. And even now, there was a military hardware uh, conference, I think in Qatar or Dubai. Not one piece of Russian equipment was sold. Peter, not one piece. Really? Not one piece of Russian military hardware was sold. Listen, I think I wouldn't mind a... You know why? Oh, obviously, you the know new, why. The, the new AK, I wouldn't mind one of those, but yeah. But, but, but you know why? Why? Because of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. There's, the Ukrainians are saying, hey, that DJI, tw- the, that DJI 2 drone that your nephew has, yeah. that can take down a freaking tank, a $30 million tank, right? <laughs> um. And and it's it's a sad reality because even even Russian made like cars. There, there's a there's a video I saw. Russians have a brand named Lada, L A D A Lada. And some car enthusiast in Russia like took that Lada apart, and he's like, "Look, the motor is made in China. The, oh, interesting. The transmission is made in China. Like that whole car, ninety percent of it is made in China. It's like, do they make?" Anything except right. natural gas exports and heart military hardware, which again. Um, but I will say though, you know, Russia, Russia has a has a killer new product out there. What's that? This is going to blow your mind. <laughs> the T ninety. So Russia has a new electric car that's going to just destroy Tesla. A new electric. Elon car. Musk, it's over for you, man. This is called the Amber. Oh my <laughs> word. <laughs> Folks, if you if you haven't seen this, just type in Russian electric car Amber. And this thing, I mean, we're, we're looking at it right now with Peter and just it's hard to describe it. It's to you. very I'll tell you what, there's no frunk. There's no frunk. It it basically looks like a like a what was it? Pontiac Aztec sort of. It's a red Yeah. It's no, got, yeah. It's got a circular headlight, it's, just like two big circles for the headlight. It's think, got... Th- yeah, think compact car, two-door, where you have to flip the seats in the front to get to the back seat, right? 
There's no yeah. that we that we would have in America. There's only a front windshield and a passenger and driver. Yes. Uh, there's no there's no like rear, uh, you know, rear passenger door mm-hmm. or window. I mean, this thing. That's right. There's no windows in the back. This thing is butt ugly. Whoa. I've never seen an ugly <laughs> that is, car. Does I mean, it is, it, is an, it is an ugly car. <laughs> that is, it is that an is, ugly car. Uh, probably the most hideous car I've ever seen in my life. And Honestly, I'm not even exaggerating. Quick, quick note to all the people who don't want electric vehicles to come in. Uh, just take that as your like prime example of what people would create with electric vehicles. And I think you'd probably yeah. win the argument pretty quickly. And uh, um, the Russians are saying, I'm know, not, I'm not for that, by the way. But beside the point, so yeah, they're saying that this, uh, this is the manufacturer assures that all the components <laughs> were made in Russia. Okay, and the car will be launched <laughs> on the market in 2025. 2025. Yeah. So <sighs> Russia's got a big problem, um, and uh, I think this, you know, going back to your German deployment, I think that is a just a sign of how far the German people, the German economy, <laughs> the politicians are just going to decouple themselves from Russia now. Because this is, I think they've seen the light in in that, you know, Russia will use bribes and they'll use threats and warnings to to work with you. Oh, um. And they're like, we're done. Yeah, this is this is one of those moments where there is no more uh, the, the peace between those two countries. If there, whatever is remaining, is going to just fall apart. By the way, I mean, I mean, this is if I was in Russia, this would be like my prime propagandist type thing. It's like, um, even though I don't think these five thousand Germans are Nazis, I don't think. But I would just be like, the Germans are back, the Nazis are back. They're going to be on our border yep. in in just a couple of years. Um, and uh, anyways, I I don't suspect that. Uh, I think as Zion says, there's been good reason why we have done our darndest to keep Germany at kind of more of a a peaceful mm-hmm. peaceful scenario, and now that's kind of over. Um, with the Ukraine war, you know, with all the stockpile, Germany began to realize, like, they are in a, I mean, they, they have weapons. Let me be clear about that. But once again, it comes about ammo, top, yep. all these things. Every one of these European nations kind of started to realize, like, we don't feel prepared or we are underprepared. Yeah. Um, and so... These countries, including Germany, are starting to spin the dial back up on their own military industrial complex, everyone. Let me repeat that. Their own military industrial complex. Let's hope they don't use that for nefarious purposes like they have in the past. Yeah. But, okay. I don't know. I, I, I... Just to wrap up my my thoughts on that, I think that the Germans had 80 years of rehab, rehabilitation, of repentance. Um, Now, do they have some right-wing sector, left-wing sector that's like, yeah, we're the Germans, we're going to go to war with people? Yeah. 
<laughs> is yeah. it large? No. No. And within the legal bounds of NATO, like, I think the Germans are smarter now to know, okay, we're part of this thing. Like, we can't. And and that's know. the whole thing is there it's it's a NATO it's not just Germany setting up their own base it's all within the the guidelines and parameters of NATO so I know but if you're Poland but it's scary isn't it if you're Poland now you're thinking great we got to watch our western flank again hopefully never ever 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 have to deal with that yeah. again but by the way how are they get into Lithuania without going through Poland I mean I think they're just I think they're going to f- fly over there and, and uh, not sure. Aren't they, not sure exactly. Aren't they bringing their... Oh. I mean, can you imagine the footage of Panthers rolling through Poland again? Yeah. That's... I mean, I know I know, <laughs> we're technically on the same Ooh. side here, but... Ooh. Yeah. But uh, historically present, the history coming back yeah. to where we are. Okay. Yep. All right. Um. I don't want to spend too much time on this, actually. Okay. This next topic. But I do feel like, partly because it's in the news so much, and I feel like the thing that I want to highlight a bit more. So, UK, if I just run with this? Yeah, for, for sure. Okay. All right. For Israel-Hamas sure. war. Um, I think Israel is going to be dealing with a lot of issues on the PR front. I do think that a lot of people still believe that, and I myself included, that Israel you know, needs to root out Hamas. Um, I just... It's terrible, the civilian death toll. I completely agree with that. Even if it's half right based on, because everything is Hamas numbers, and it's like one of those things where you need to trust Hamas on that. I don't know. But we all see the footage. I also would say I really don't know what to think post this is over for, um, yeah, Palestinians. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, <clears throat> if there's anything that connects to my heart a little bit on the Palestinian side, for sure, mm-hmm. is it does, see, and, and and I'm not, it does seem like nobody wants them. I mean, Egypt will not open its border. Jordan will not open its border. But isn't that strange to you, Peter? But, I, and I, and I know why. I know why they don't do that. It's because every time they have in the past, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan had an attack by, you know, an attempt to overthrow them in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I understand, like, there's a reason why they have not done that. But, but what I mean is, like, there is that civilian portion of this that is really sad. Yeah. And, that, and let me clarify that. The infrastructure alone. I do, I do get a little sensitive on that front because I'm just like, what will be left? I mean, you're. I mean, there's going to be like a lot of people that are going to come back. There is no more home. There's no more building. Correct. A lot of a lot of places have just been leveled. And then you create a refugee crisis like you can't believe again. Mm-hmm. And where are they going to go? I, I think. I think that. And, and by the way, I'm saying that, and I don't have an answer. I really don't. I really don't. Um. So um, I'm going to leave that for that. I think everyone, we're just, we're, honestly, we're all just kind of caught on, I feel like if I'm just being honest with you, uh, the gears of time, and we're just kind of watching to see what happens next. I don't know. Now, that does not mean that there have not been 
things that have started to kick off around the place. Going back to the military industrial complex and drones. If there's anything we have now noticed is that everything, including the Samas attack on October 7th, the drone technology thing is going to come into play mm-hmm. in the next 10 years, 20 years, in a way that we've never seen before. Um, the U.S. ships, U.S. shipping, British shipping, allied shipping, whatever you want to call it, have now been started to be an attack by drones. And these are these are transports. These aren't even necessarily the carriers or anything like that, or battleships, or excuse me, uh, cru- cruisers? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, destroyers. Destroyers, uh, actually. Yeah, not cruisers, destroyers. Yeah, yeah. Destroyers. Um, so those are starting to get engaged. And if there's anything I don't like about it is sometimes I feel like what they're doing is they're just testing to see what happens mm-hmm. before launching a full fleet of drones. Do you get that impression at mm-hmm. all? I mean, if I'm on one of those ships, it's like we just took down three today. It's like we did it. But what if they launch 30? Right? Yeah. Am I wrong in that? Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, you also would say we're at war. I mean, there's like no other way around that. But what's happening right now is the Houthis are are kind of starting to stir things up a little bit on the Yemen side of front, which is by, is it the Strait of Hormuz? Is that Strait of, yeah, Strait of Hormuz, yeah. So, um, and then there's now a coalition of fleet of ships I think we've yet to see that fully play out. Um, it is very lopsided right now as far as like military yeah. firepower. So yeah. I do not see the Houthis doing very well here. But I will also say, um, if there's anything that's giving me a little nervousness to say, is uh, we should be very grateful that we've had no either things that we know about, significant injuries, or American dead. Am I right on that? Yeah, yeah. It does seem like we're kind of... I'm not saying we're not doing the right thing. I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like... There's like a pilot light, and like every now and then like Mm -hmm. some gas hits it, and like it just flares up, and you get a quick, you know, turn... like it's it's like this it's like you are playing with fire. Yep. And the fire's coming at you. And for the most part you're going to be you you know you're okay. But every now and then it's like, "Oh, that was close." Oh, that was really close. And then you can start thinking to yourself, "Man, if if like I said, if 30 drones come, uh, you know, because because I'm just thinking, if you are, if you're the president of the United States, what do you do if you have an American that gets killed, let alone 13 like you did again in mm-hmm. what happened in Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point in time, do we open up another theater? Is that what you're kind no, of? No, I I, I, th- I think he goes full um, full Barack Obama and just starts bombing everything in sight. <laughs> I mean, that's what Obama did. I mean, that guy was like, just keep the Predator drones up there. Oh, just yes. keep them going. Yeah. Put put solar charging on their wings. Just keep them up there in the sky. Right? Isn't that? I mean, he was yeah. just drone, 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 yeah. drone, yeah. drone, 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 yeah. drone, drone. So. Uh, I, I think, you know, number one, <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that the U.S. is still, you know, uh, 
honoring their their commitment to like protecting the world's trade routes and stuff like that, right? I think that's part of the was it the Balfour? No, not the Balfour. Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods, which we've been meaning to talk about that for a while, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it in detail right now, but no, um, basically, at the end of World War II, yeah. the U.S. is like, hey, guys, to the European nations, and the European nations were like, okay, we're going to get screwed here. The U.S. is going to come in, take maybe some of our territory, because they helped win the war, and they, they were so much overpowered and overmatched, and the U.S. is like, hey, guys, we want to do things a little bit differently. Um we want to do free trade with you. And we're going to patrol the waters of the world to make sure there's no piracy, to make sure, you know, no nation is 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 basically starting to attack your ships. And that was just a colossal shift in like globalization right there. Like that's what really what kicked off globalization. Yeah. So and like I mentioned, part of that thing is 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 the US using their might, their military to to patrol and guard the the waters right and that's exactly what they're doing here which by the way our enemies still benefit from that absolutely everyone benefits from it including our enemies because now they um they are able to wow right there imagine imagine the somali pirates taking over a chinese ship yeah what do you think's gonna happen then yeah yeah or an iranian ship what do you think happens? That's a good question. Well, I think the Somalis wouldn't. I think they're more because we had that crisis every year. Yeah, everyone. I don't know if they're allied allied with Iran or China. Um, or I mean, the shipping is a little bit weird, and I don't know the full details of it. But like, you're kind of like the ship is owned by a company, but it flies or, yeah. or sails under a flag, flag and then yeah. so there's a little bit of that. Like, who are you actually attacking? Yep. You know, the the owner of the ship or the flag, the country that it's flagged under. I'm not sure exactly there, but um, needless to say that a lot of, and, and you could see this even on like some maritime reports, a lot of ships were just like, whoop, we're going to scoot past this area right here. We're not going to go even close into this Strait of Hormuz because we can't afford to have any, you know, any of our people being killed, number one. And then number two, like we don't want to, cargo to be stolen or taken or shot down or you know whatever the case is so i'm glad i'm glad that u.s is stepping up and and really patrolling this area um from the other side of it i could see this being viewed as a escalation on the u.s end from people like iraq or from folks like iran not folks like iran but that's excuse my english there from folks in iran right Seeing like, hey, U.S. worship, what you doing there? You know, um, that could lead to more escalation, but I don't know. Uh, certainly in Trump's White House, you know, Trump did not get along with Iran. And this might have been viewed more hostily than it is now. I know that I know that the Biden administration has been a little bit more more open. I wouldn't say fully open like Obama was, but mm-hmm. but definitely more open, I think, to some stuff. Yeah. I, uh, the interview with Jared Kushner on relations, um, either all in podcast or Lex Friedman, mm-hmm. is a good example of like the Abraham Accords or how you kind of go to these leaders and you begin to understand like 
if they want a betterment for their society, they're pretty willing to like, what are the non-negotiables, you know, things like that. But, mm-hmm. but Iran is, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. No, I, I that's that, that area is another contentious hot area. And that's where I'm like, if I look back at 2023, yeah. it's kind of a, like, like I said in the beginning, it's kind of a mess. Like we, it feels like many little fires were started or yes. some fires that were already have been going on for a couple of years have just started added more fuel, you know, started we, spreading. You know, we haven't even talked about the, uh, how the group over by Russia that were defended by the Russians supposedly, but they did nothing. Um, Azerbaijan and, uh, um, Armenia, Armenia. Yeah. 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 Dude, Armenia's in a bad spot right now. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it it just seems like the world is kind of on fire. I mean, (laughs) world on fire basically is, 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 is kind of what it, uh, what it's looking like. Um, and I hope these fires get put out because this is not benefiting anybody. Uh, one country who once again continues to ingrain itself with the U S used to be a mortal enemy. It's Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, they've actually looked to buy U S steel companies That's recently. True. That's true. Um, they're like, Oh, you're investing in steel. We want to be part of that, which obviously is one of those things where it's like, boy, another, foreign entity owning, you know, <coughs> U.S. manufacturing, which is a little strange. At the same time, Japan is is a great ally. Yeah. They're oh, a yeah. great ally. Oh, yeah. Um, as many people have said, you know, from a demographic standpoint, they're not doing necessarily great. But if you go over to there, I, I mean, even what I've seen, the place looks pristine. Yeah. I mean, it looks fantastic. Did you see that video? There was a video I saw recently. Uh, there's a road in Japan, and they have like these little spouts that come out and 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 basically water the road with hot water to melt Whoa. the ice. I mean, and I thought like, oh man, how would that work in South Dakota? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I mean, the water would freeze over. Freeze and, over the yeah, pipes would burst. Yeah, yeah it would not be. be would not work. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. We're going to leave it at that. That area of the world is unique. Um, I'll just quickly say in 2024, I'll put one of my wishes for 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, we really work hard to uh, continue our um, being on in a good relationship with Saudi Arabia and probably the UAE. I think the more and more I, I look at the that portion of the world, I think I, th- I think if you want lines to be drawn, the last thing you want is um, for our ally mm-hmm. to somehow become, um, you know, to feel like he's got to go to Iran and find some way to make a peace agreement with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. By the way, our enemies want that to happen. So. Um, oh, I know they do. Yeah. Yeah. So. We might as well keep things going. Okay. All right. Let's talk about domestic side of things here. Finally, before we get into predictions for 2024. Um, all right. Uh, we told you we we're going to talk about so many topics yeah, today. Th- this is very much. <laughs> it's very much all over the place. But quite frankly, this is how, this, remember, this is how 2023 is ending. Mm. Um, 
the most recent thing, which is pretty wild, uh, is the Supreme Court in Colorado has banned Trump from the primary ballot. Now, there are stipulations with that, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it does mark a moment in our history that is kind of wild. Yeah. Because regardless of what you believe, we are in uncharted territory. And we've been in this uncharted territory now for about two years. Yeah. Actually, who am I kidding? Since 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 January 6th, we have been, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. January 6th is... I think what sealed the deal for a lot of this stuff to yeah, happen. Yeah, right? I and by the way, as a as a conservative type mindseted guy who's more leans more, I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. If you had to if, if you had to push Serge and I, we'd probably end up saying we're classical liberals, which basically means we're conservatives. It's basically, I don't know. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, I would probably say that. We 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 do believe the government has a role. We do believe that in this, yeah. this capacity, but it should be limited. It should be limited, and yeah. at the same time, we are very much. We need to be good friends to our allies and things of this nature in that capacity yeah. for a whole yeah. bunch of reasons. Okay. However, um, yeah, uh, the, I, I will say this. January 6th happened. I remember one conservative commentator. Um, oh, what was, uh, he's got quite a reputation. Glenn Beck. Yeah. yeah. Love, love him or hate him. Right. But he just, I just remember him being like, do you have any idea what you have done? Yeah. How much you have set us back yep. by what you have done? Yep. Now, he has changed his tune a little bit in some capacity. But personally, I still believe his initial premise. Do you have any idea the setback that has been done from that day? Not just even from like... Mm-hmm a quote-unquote conservative movement. I'm just saying, like, from a national perspective, that was a terrible day. For for sure. Right? That was a dark day of democracy. I mean, it doesn't matter how you look at it. Yes. You don't... And you can look at it from multiple ways. You can look at it from, like, this was all set up, and these were FBI agents that were, you know, encouraging people to storm, quote-unquote, the Capitol, which they didn't really storm, but they walked in, basically were let in. Or you can look at it as like Trump is calling for the you know the the breakdown of of civil society and like you know basically having or inciting a, a res- insurrection yeah. on the government to stop this vote which you know seals his fate as no longer being president. <laughs> you can look at it both ways. Either way you look at it, it. It's still a bad day for the U.S. It's still a bad day for it, it, it was a terrible day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like Glenn said, I totally agree with that. Like, you have no idea what you've done. You've set back, you know, democracy at the minimum. But for conservatives, you've set that back a long time. You've right. Set, you've set that back because now, especially with Trump, they're looking at him through the lens of January 6th. Right. They're not looking at him as as former President Trump. They're looking at insurrectionist Trump. Yeah. If there's honestly, if there's anything that we are very fortunate of, there wasn't more dead on that day. Right. Yeah. I honestly 
You, you, you want to talk about he, more radical change we've ever seen in a he, lifetime. Even having a death on that day is was, just, it's just un, unexplainable. Right. It's unexplainable. It's so stupid. Right. Yeah. And I listen, I know there's going to be some people who listen to this who are just fuming because they're like, have you not seen the footage? They let them in the Capitol. You know, they welcome them in. Everything of this nature. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. I am not even saying that there weren't even moments like that. But the problem is, is the day still happened. Period. Yep. Yep. And it wasn't all. Wasn't all polite. I, 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 I'm, I'm grateful that more insight has happened into that day. But the problem is, is the reason why we're even de- dealing with that is because that day happened. And and the initial premise of having changing of not certifying the election, even I will admit, is not a good thing. Yeah. Can we at least agree on that? Absolutely. Yep. So now, okay. You want to talk more about this? Now, this now I <laughs> now I can't now I can't help myself. That uh. being said, that being said. As one comedian said, can we all admit it? Trump was a pretty funny guy. Yep. And we're, we were, we, you know, we, we haven't had him really hearing him too much outside of the indictment stuff rallying up. I'm not, I'm not going to start ticking people off, especially after what I just said there. But, but, but I mean, as, oh man, what's uh, Shane Gillis had a great bit recently about like, Trump gets out of the, you know, walks up to this podium and says, we just killed Akbu, Akbu, Baghdadi. He died like a dog. <laughs> that was his opening line. <laughs> yeah. Word for word. And he goes on, and he goes on for the next 45 minutes off the cuff of just ranting. He's like, yeah, it's like for- oh, Abu, don't cry. Don't cry, Abu. You know? yeah, it just, I can't do it justice. But like, that's. That's, that's, I mean, that's, he's, he's a wild character. I will admit that. And now, yeah. by the way, the economy is not doing great necessarily. I don't think it is. I think most. I'm going it this way. I don't think people believe it is. Yeah, no, yeah. No, regardless of what you hear about, oh, we're not in a recession, all that stuff. It's probably not doing great. It's not doing great. Yeah. I mean, we're grateful the gas is under three dollars right now. Well, here it is. That's true. Not in California. Not in California. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> There's one place where it was like seven dollars a gallon. I'm like, are you uh. joking me? All I'm saying is, and Joe Biden, who cannot string a sentence together, can we all admit that as well? Can we at least talk through that? Mm-hmm. People, we are going to get that election again. And the difference is, is this time, I think some people are like, you know what? I kind of want I want the bull back. Um, I want somebody who can at least string a sentence together. Um, I respect that. I'm honestly, I'm, 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 I, ugh. Yeah. What a mess. Yeah. What a mess. What a mess. So what, do you think so what I've what I've heard is that there's about 15 other states now that are looking to ban Trump from their primary. Yeah, oh, they're going to do their darndest. You think it's going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen. And and this this okay, I'm going to get real serious for a second. That is actually my biggest concern. Um Let's say it does happen. 
What do you I, I'm tell I'm telling you, man. I I I don't know what happens next, but it ain't good. I I just don't. Is this okay? Let's just play it a high. I, I, I don't. I don't. And what I mean by that is, I'm not talking like full civil war. I'm not talking that yeah. at all. <laughs> Be very abundantly clear here. But what I am talking about is, you will have some people. It's it's. I always look at it this way. You're gonna push people one one way or the other. And there's always going to be some people like, if they do this, they've crossed the line. Now, personally, I don't think I'm on that camp right now. If they ban him from the ballot, I'm not at that line. I don't feel like they've crossed that line. I don't think it's good at all, but I don't think, I don't think they've crossed the line because they're at minimum that day was wild. We haven't had anything like that. I don't know. Ever. I mean, Ever, right? And when we have to compare it to the Civil War, which was pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, it was on that level. I'm just saying that's when when it's like, yeah, I'm just saying it, it's it's not good. It's not good. That's what I mean by, like, that day was terrible. Right. And it set things back immensely. Yeah. Um, I think for the, for the nature and the culture as a whole, quite frankly. But, um, so... Here's my problem. Yeah. And this is my this is my deepest fear. And I even I even hate admitting this. Okay. But there are moments where people feel like they get pushed over the edge. And I think that happens. You see the support he has amongst some mm-hmm. people. By the way, I think there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, that's unfortunate. That's a shame. We really need to find somebody who can win now. Yeah. I do believe there's gonna be a lot of people like that. You think like that? But I that think Trump- there is going to be mm. a percentage, as there would be in any case. I mean, by the way, this would happen if Joe Biden was on the ballot and they did this. They'll flip, flip, flip everything around. Yeah. Make, make Trump like Bernie Sanders and they do this. Yeah. Okay. Which they kind of did to Bernie Sanders, <laughs> by the way. Anyways, beside the point that they didn't do it, take it off the ballot, but they sure kind of screwed him in the yeah. end, anyways. But, yeah. Okay. Um, you're going to push some people over the edge. Yeah. And this is what I mean. This is actually my scare. My fear is you're going to push somebody over the edge of which we may not, we may see something happen the next day. Yeah. We might not see something happen for a while, but I do think at some point there, you are going to find yourself in a scenario where I don't know who, and I pray to God, anybody who feels that way listening to this is you got to, you got to don't, don't do anything. Um, but that's that's my fear. Yeah, As I I if the Supreme Court does not say he needs to be on the judge, he needs to be on the ballot. It's we lose. Um, and by the way, because you you want listen, You at least want to give the semblance of appearance that you're at least trying to attempt to go through legal means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the system is doing its thing. And I know we are all very distrustive of the things and systems that are above us in the past three years. So I get that. But at this point in time, you can't throw everything out. By the way, this is why I don't like Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, God. I mean, that, that guy... guy. That guy is not. Can you imagine? Yeah. I know I'm going to offend some people saying that, but listen to me. 
You can't. You can't fire 75% of the FBI. No. You can't do that. No. You can't. You, you know, I like, I, I, I love how, uh, what some guys say is like, it's like our institutions are corrupted. Get rid, you know, get, get rid, rid of them get all. Get rid of them yeah. all. Yeah. It's like, and then he's like, and then, and then he takes a second, he's like, get rid of the FBI? Get rid of the CIA? It's like, I'm not saying there aren't problems, but you can't go to the other extreme. Right. Just like the defund the police thing, right? Yes. People are like, well, we saw some abuse of police power, which, yes, that is absolutely, absolutely. 100% true. <laughs> right. So true, right? We saw video. We saw, like, neglect of authority, neglect of abuse of power. But the people, you know, and this is this is kind of close to home, right, to us, like in Minneapolis, especially we're the yeah. neighboring state. They're Neighbor like, Chief. defund the police. And they got to the point where they defunded a lot of police. And guess what happens? Crime skyrockets. The 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 people that were part of the city council that were calling for this had to hire private security and even police to protect their homes because crime was shooting up. Right. I, like you can't yeah. do that, right? There, yeah. there has to be institutions that that need to be existent regardless of large government, small government, whatever, right? Right. Military needs to exist. You hope to never use it, but the military needs to exist. And the military needs to be robust enough where the the way it's set up can be can be uh, placed in the right conflict zones quickly, recalled back quickly, have the funding, have the amounts of ammunition needs to, if it needs to use it. Logistics. Logistics, yep. Logistics win wars. Logistics and supply. You know, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, going back to this whole Trump not getting on the ballot thing, I, it, it sets a, I think it could set a bad precedent. But if you agree with that, I, I understand, I understand the, mm, how do I say this? Like, I think I understand why this is seen as a win by some people. You know, because because if you if you look at the world like like we've been talking about where this insurrection happened and all the other legal things that the Trump This has done, this should happen. This should yeah. happen, right? This like you but but on the other side you're like you're censoring a a person that you know should be able to run. A, a former president, right? And and the other side, it's like, that's a slippery slope. You know, and I, I remember Trump, right? Remember his one of his uh, favorite sayings? Three words, lock her up, lock her up. He was talking about Hillary, right? Yeah. He, he, and his plan was, we're going to lock up Hillary Clinton. And when he said that, I was like, oh, dude, no, no. That's what you do in Russia. Right. That's what you do in like, you know, these corrupt in Iran, you don't do that in, in the United States just because you disagree with them. Now, if she committed a crime and, and other, yeah, yeah, that's a different story, but you know, be careful, be careful what you're asking for because it could be handed to you too at the same time. 
Yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of the irony of this whole thing is like he's he was yelling, lock her up. And now he's like, he's potentially facing some really hard legal battles that, that it's going to be really hard for him to get out of, you know, like Rudy Giuliani, too. Do you, you heard about that, right? He is he bankrupt now? He's he had to declare bankruptcy because a judge ordered him to pay one hundred forty eight million dollars to two Georgia um, workers, campaign workers, I think, or, or was it? Um, yes, yeah, someone related with the campaign. Um, and he's like, I, I'm bankrupt. I can't do that. Like, there are consequences for your actions and for what you say and for what you do. So, I don't know. I don't know if we can solve this one, Peter. <laughs> I don't think we can solve it. I'm just saying, but okay. Not even solve it, but like, I don't know if we can even... Oh, and by the way, properly, if you know? somehow you thought that we were beating up on Trump here a little bit too much, we'll skip the Jack Smith thing. We don't, we'll, we'll figure that out maybe next time. Okay. Biden's approval dips below 40%. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, in some polls, he actually has less approval amongst young voters. Okay. Which is typically mm-hmm. not a great sign from, from a Democrat society from perspective, strategist perspective. Oh, and one other thing. Uh, Hunter Biden. Mm. Hunter. (laughs) Tell us more. I don't even know where to put this guy. This guy is in like. What portion of of like, what can we combine? Uh, He's not American psycho. Yeah. But he's also like absolutely wild. Yeah. He's unhinged. Absolutely wild. Yep. You know, and by the way, any news media that's saying like, how dare we go after this man who's dealing with, you know, his his addiction. It's like, are you kidding me? By the way, this is actually something when it comes to the Ukraine side of things. I do think has a lot of questions with it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Burisma after, after, uh, after Joe Biden was out only paid him like half of the amount. Yeah. Which was still a lot. $500,000. Anyways. Okay. His, his spending. Oh, I can't wait to pull this up. Oh, I cannot wait to pull this up. Pull this up, Peter. Pull it up, man. Oh my word. Um, you're talking about Hunter Biden's like. Personal oh, spending. Is my that what you're talking about? word. Um, uh, what is this? Um, what's the date on this? Oh, this is 2022. Um, here we go. Here we go. I mean, this guy spent. $683,000 on various women. What? Hook. Another word for that would be hookers. Hookers um, would be uh, in that category. $683,000. You're joking me, right? In, w- in what time frame? No, I'm not joking. In what time frame? <laughs> 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 
Oh, I'm trying to find the one who like really broke this down. Okay. Um, it's, it is, it's, okay. First of all, he, in 2018, uh, spent 2018 alone, uh, <laughs> spent more than 1.8 million. No. <laughs> Including including seven hundred and seventy two thousand in cash withdrawals. Ah, <laughs> uh, in that year alone, he spent three hundred and eighty three thousand dollars to women. Um, wow. By the way, he has a line item for adult entertainment. At top of that, so, mm-hmm. um, but if you add it all up, like the years, I think it's like a three year span. <laughs> That's so crazy. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. Uh 2016 to 2019. There we go. There we go. Now we're getting some accurate information. Okay. Various women during that time. <laughs> 683,000. Okay. During those four years, he took out out of a cash. Cash. Okay, cash, everyone. One point six. Six million dollars in ATM cash withdrawals. Oh, ATM? Yes. Is there like hard limits on how much? <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, this is yeah. This is not good. Okay. Um, adult entertainment. <laughs> I really actually kind of like how this like you just see the spiral happening. Like twenty sixteen four thousand four hundred eleven dollars. <laughs> 2017, $56,000. 2018, oh, we're going there, $100,000. Um, in 2019, starting to realize maybe he has a problem, uh, $27,000. Um, <sighs> okay, by the way, there's a comedian who did a, <laughs> does a great job. He's like, you know what? Hunter Biden's doing okay. He's doing okay. Okay. <laughs> He's, he says... Don't ever think that a hundred. I was like, I'm not. I'm not saying that like he has problems or we should. You know, mm-hmm. just completely throw this guy to the mm-hmm. wolves. I don't know, but <laughs> he said he's doing okay. He's like, let's just put it this way: if you, if your aunt Susan found your uncle Frank's laptop and discovered he had <laughs> six million, and he's got videos of him. Just doing, you know, doing cocaine and putting a gun to, you know, a woman's head while he's, you know, I mean, just, (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) you know, he's probably not going to make it to uh, the the White House Christmas uh, (laughs) old type scenario. Um, Oh man! By the way, he's now claiming his laptop was stolen. His laptop was not stolen. Yeah, he was there was video there, of him. I want to be very it off, clear right? in everyone. No one believed that lie. Yeah, the guy is still lying on that front. Now he's trying to cover his tracks. The sweetheart deal that he was given, somebody blew the whistle on, so they can't get that. So now he is going to go and have to deal with um, payments because um, he owes what one million dollars in tax payments. I think something like that. Wild scenario, by the way, and that is our president's son. Okay. Yeah. By the way, also Hunter Biden, 
maybe he's mended some terms. He hates Jill Biden, though. At, at, during this time, he hated Jill Biden. Really? Oh, he 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 calls that woman terrible names in the in the like iMessage. So hold on, I, I'm I'm late <clears throat> to the party. Is Jill not? Is uh, not his mom? Not his mom. Okay. Okay. You want to talk about a wild family? By the yeah. way, I'm leaving Joe's uh, daughter out of this because I don't know what's going on there, but. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying anything bad. Just it's just there's weird like the diary, whatever. Anyways, mm-hmm. we'll leave that out of the story. But like Hunter Biden, and then he goes and has a relationship with his dead brother's wife. Yep. I mean, this guy. Once again, in a comedial sense, this guy's doing okay. Like he's not, he's not, he's not behind. I mean, he's not paying fines. He's not. Well, I guess he maybe he will be, but. This guy's walking around, going to parties. I mean, he and he's got a new career in art. Have you seen his art? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I didn't know who I it was, know. there were some pieces that I'm like, okay, he's he's got some in, Listen, he's got some talent there, you know. With all the crack that that man did, <laughs> I kind of would. Oh my gosh! But you know, he started a second. You know, he got back on his feet, started a career in art, yeah. and got paid. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in art pieces. Yeah. Sure, he took a hit financially a little bit, but uh, yeah. um, yeah. Well, I also love in 2016 is when he did Wells Fargo's advisor's Roth IRA of fifty three thousand dollars, and then for the next three years, he's like, "Skip, I'm not thinking about investments at all." <laughs> 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 okay, all right. So that there you go, everyone. Um, Hunter's years of wild spending grand total in the span of four years was four point nine million dollars. So, um, yeah, that's uh, he found that career in art pretty well. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So, what have we learned today? Um, this year's been kind of rough. Been, been a rough year. Extra, I mean, from 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 a inter perspective, intra perspective. I don't know. America's going through some stuff right now. Let's yep. put it that way. The world is going through some stuff right now. Yep. And uh, I think twenty twenty four, it's going to go through even more. Yeah. Um, I wish I wouldn't not like to think that, but yeah. Um, will um, your 2024 productions? Do you think Ukraine will get more funding from the U.S.? I think so. Um, I think that there will be some kind of a thing that's passed. I don't know if it's going to. You, you be think you think they're going to fifty billion? I think it's. Listen, I I think people on both sides of the aisle realize, or they have to realize how. Um just how precarious this whole Ukraine war thing is and how yeah how much how much it serves in the interest of the United States including their constituents yeah right their constituents are going to be you know ultimately receiving a lot of this money as well so i think there will be something passed my concern though is is it going to be too little too late like will ukraine have to um 
get money elsewhere or will they have to find money elsewhere to to provide so that Ukraine could keep the fight going, right? Um, I think part of the U.S. maybe feels like the, other, the rest of the country should be contributing yeah. some more anyways. I yep. would admit that. I think uh, another kind of silver lining thing that I'm looking at here is like, okay, Ukraine's been... And one criticism I have is I, I feel like they never... Not not that they never, but they didn't ramp up um, a wartime economy fast enough. You know, they started producing their own drones yeah. and munitions, that sort of thing, but not fast enough. Like, that should have been done in, in March of 2022. They should have switched to a war economy by then, if possible, right? And part of it maybe is just my lack of understanding of how, how feasible that was because we really don't know the state of their military complex. And that's, I, so I think the silver lining will be that Ukraine by force has to start, you know, building a lot of their own components, a lot of their own shells, which they're already doing that. And, and um, their, their production on homemade equipment is going to increase, which is always a good thing because it's going to be much cheaper and faster than waiting for Western aid, you know, with export licenses like that, that sort of thing. So um, I think they've got the right people in place to help lead that part of things. Um, one of them is the the former director of Ukraine Railways. Uh, he is actually, that guy's a legend. I mean, he, he made the trains run on time during war. And as a manager, he was incredibly, incredibly effective. And so I think they, they've, they took him and added him to the Department of Defense and the industry there. So that's my that's my take. So yes, Ukraine will get some more money, and Ukraine will also ramp up some of their own internal production of things, so they don't have to wait on, on the money. Yep. How about you? <clears throat> um, I might go to the second question. I think I yeah. think they'll get some funding, but the will the war end in twenty twenty four? Yeah, so we're just kind of uh, ending the show on yeah. on some predictions. predictions. For I yeah. I kind of believe that there actually is a chance that it will. I think. Listen, right now I'm just I'm just the politics of it all. Let me start with that. Yeah, politics of it all. Um, if you're Russia, um, what do you have going for you? Well, your, um, I sent an article to Serge about this. You know, you have you have basically started to push your economy into a wartime economy. I will give them credit for that. Um, yep, they are producing a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, I don't think it's been good for them overall. Uh, but in some, like from a, but he's there. The the propaganda or the influence runs thick. Yep. Um, there's some women or some. Some of these regions, I should say, when I say women, because there's not women fighting in the front lines right now, uh, that at least that we're aware of. Um, there are, actually. For the Russians? Uh, oh, not for the Russians. That's for, what I mean. For the Ukrainians, yeah. But like the the payouts from the government for mm-hmm. the losses to some of these families is more money than they would ever have gotten otherwise, I've been mm-hmm. told. And so they don't view the war as... I mean, this is terrible. Yeah. They're saddened probably by the loss of, you know, their husband or whatever. Yeah. But they just got a huge chunk of money. Yeah. Or a new car. And so it doesn't, in a weird way, in in America standpoints, we might be like, 
we would we would work on getting those things anyways. Mm-hmm. And so we would feel the loss of X person in our life way more so. Yeah. And I'm not saying that isn't happening. Yeah. But there is an element here that we just don't understand that they don't feel it the same way. Once again, life is different anyways over there. Very much so. Um, and um, there is a monetary reward for giving your life to your country that goes back home. Yes. Yep. Is that, is it, can I say yep. it like that? Yep. So I'll put it this way. I don't think Russia's out. I, I, I really don't. <clears throat> Do I think that slowly over time it's, if it keeps going, that, that they're going to feel it more and more? Yes. Um, listen, I get, I kind of get, get the impression based on from little reports we see that they're still trying to pull from all the different regions they possibly can outside of the, you know, major industrial centers. Can I say yep. that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's not right. Okay. Right. So, um, and on this side of the pond, I think our president will feel some pressure, even though I don't know that he is... Ugh, man. I don't know. I think that's the short answer. I, I, I'll I, be very truthful. I'm kind of giving up on Crimea. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let me clarify that. I would love to have Crimea back, but I'm kind of giving up on it in the sense that I think what Ukraine will maybe do is continue to threaten that, which mm-hmm. might, from a geopolitical standpoint push negotiations in a different standpoint mm. does that make mm-hmm. sense where mm-hmm. i'm going with that yeah. mm-hmm. <clears throat> um i feel like uh there's a lot of people i'm it just seems like they're just trying to come into the terms of the fact that, like they're going to tick off ukraine yeah and um i will also say this though in in some ways, if if a settlement is agreed upon, like where it stands right now, even mm-hmm. the one thing I will say though is, I do think Ukraine will be in a very different spot in the next three years. Oh yeah, yeah. Does either that make way. sense? Either, either if, way, if, yeah. if 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 the war is to end, you better darn believe Ukraine is going to be like we. First of all, their our mentality be like. We wish the West would have supported us more, but they are not under any illusion that the Russians have now have a chip on their shoulder as well, mm-hmm. and they have a massive one on theirs mm-hmm. for them. And so they will work to get every piece of equipment, yep. everything they can possibly do. Um, I suspect you may even continue to see a continuous... This is actually where I don't know. I can actually see how this might end up being a scenario where this war just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. What do you think on that? So to answer the question of will the war end in 2024? Yes. um, I don't The reality is nobody knows, right? Nobody knows if it's going to end, you know, could it end tomorrow? Maybe, right? Maybe. Um, I will say that I'm probably a little bit more pessimistic than I was a little bit ago because, you know, as I've mentioned this book again, um, I've learned about some of the, 
They're called Silovki. And these are Putin's basically childhood friends, um, acquaintances. These are the people that really make the decisions in Russia. And as I've learned about them, one of them is Patrushov, Nikolai Patrushov, which is actually seen as kind of the replacement for Putin down the road. If something was to happen to him. If something was to happen mm-hmm. to him, yep. Um, he's the guy that uh, authorized the killing of Alexander Litvinenko. Oh. That poisoned him and uh, many Whoa. others. Um, and the the people that are in positions of power in, in Russia right now. I mean, they, Putinism is a, is a religion essentially. And that's why I'm a little bit more pessimistic. Even if Putin dies tomorrow, there is a, there is a reason for them to continue the war. Right. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance that the war ends. Um, and I think the way that the war could possibly end, or uh, let me say it this way, the, the fighting stops, is if Ukraine is able to use all of the new stuff that it gets, like yeah. especially the F-16s, to strike areas they couldn't have struck before. Like if they could get Mariupol back, I think that's a game changer. They get, they'll get most of the I agree. Dumbass if they get Mariupol back, that would be huge. I would agree with that. If they start, if they start recapturing territory in even the Kherson region, Zaporizhia region, um, and start getting that back, I think there's a really good chance Ukraine is able to recapture most of its territories, and it, and the the public support will be for, let's get everything back. I think right right now the public, the vast majority of public support in Ukraine is we want all of Ukraine back, including Crimea. There's still there's still a holdout for that. Um, but as we know, these wars are fought with with human lives, and mm-hmm. uh, Russia has a lot more human lives to throw at this. Yeah. Um, and they are throwing them. One of the things that we were that I had in my notes here that we didn't get to talk about, but I'll maybe mention briefly is is Ukraine's new defense minister is is potentially asking to um, send draft notices to people that are in Germany, the Ukrainians that are in Germany. Like, there it's it's getting real. Where yeah, you know they need to replenish. You know, not I I wouldn't say necessarily from the dead soldiers or over the wounded soldiers, but just normal rotation. You can't just have a, a a battalion out there fighting for 11 months without break. You know, you need to have to, to, you know, reset your equipment and do all that stuff, maintenance, break, rest, you know. So it seems like Ukraine might be um, going towards a draft and they would need to draft 500,000 people. So to be clear, they have not done a draft. They have yet. not done a draft yet. No. Um, Actually, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. They've okay. been giving out conscription notices, yeah. but not not a, okay. a not an is actual. Is there a really like, difference? What is the difference? Uh, I mean, there's there's a little bit there's a little bit of a difference, but like not like a you know countrywide draft like like we did in World War II, you know, or yeah. Vietnam, right? So. Um, 
I think that is going to be another determining factor, right? There's there's a lot of these things that go in go into kind of where Ukraine wins. I think if they develop a strong domestic uh, equipment and, and military gear to fight off Russians where they don't have to rely on a lot of the Western stuff, they're developing some really crazy, uh, their own howitzers, they're developing their own um, surface-to-air missiles and a lot of that stuff. That could That could lead to some really big changes as well. And obviously the drone technology is probably the biggest game changer of all. If they can continue advancing that uh, and be able to bypass like electronic warfare and strike in, in some of these areas and, and keep moving the front, you know, that there's, there's definitely some room, but unfortunately I'm not super optimistic of the, the war ending in 2024. I, I, do you think, um, I'm just trying to be honest here as well. Do you feel like you and I have, changed your tune a little bit since the war is outside? I think so. I think, I mean, realistically, like the, it's not a Hollywood movie. No. You know, and I think we were, I, I was a little bit more naive at the beginning. It's like, oh yeah, Ukraine's going to get all this stuff. They're going to, they're going to fight off the Russians and they're going to be able to and, get. And they did. And they did, be, yeah. but they ran into lots of challenges and the mining of all the, all the land. Like it's, there's, there's, you, you have to step back and you have to say, and even President Zelensky's like, I don't know. I don't know when the war's going to end. You know, it could end tomorrow if if Putin says we're going to withdraw all of our troops and we're going to sue for peace, basically. But the way the rate it's going right now, I you have to be realistic and say, you know what, optimism is great, and there's some things to be optimistic about. But realist, the real is I. I mean, the the reality is this: is that the Ukraine has a lot of stuff working against it too. Yeah. You know, and so unfortunately um, we have to wait and see. I'm hope I am opt- super optimistic for a breakthrough. I'm super optimistic for a huge counteroffensive that will um, change the, 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 the lines of the battle, the front lines. But even then, even then, like even if they push everything out to, to Russian territory, Ukraine still has a lot of work to do. I don't think the battle is still... I mean, they're going to keep shelling from Russia. So. I I have I have some other thoughts where maybe Ukraine does some things where it's like, hey, you're going to shell us anyways. We know that. But we're going to make it so that you have literally hardly any presence anywhere else. Yeah. And I would not shock me if the U.S. starts greenlighting and, and almost maybe encouraging, like, just take out the fleet. Well, they've they've that's done what a I pretty, mean. They've done a pretty good. They've job done a pretty good job. Right. Imagine when Russia's like, we don't have a fleet anymore. Yeah, we we can't even fly near we, Ukraine anymore because we, yeah. we because we're going to get shot down we're by get planes shot down. we can't even see. Right, <laughs> right. And all they can do is like just missile stuff. Yeah, and then at that point in time. That's actually the the thing that I'm. I don't know. I I don't. I, I, this is that moment where you're like, I'm not a wartime guy in the mm-hmm. sense of like strategy. I always feel like in the in the element, you're always trying to figure out like what's the right thing. But um, 
I just think that logistics and supply, this is now, we're now entering the phase where logistics and supply, and I know it's everything, and probably some innovation yep. needs to happen. Um, uh, you know, for all the bombing of railways and munition depots yeah. on Russian side, which has been crazy. Yeah. Crazy. They still keep coming. And um, it does have that almost, if I'm being honest, a little bit of a World War II-esque feeling of like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> out of the, out of the fog, the, uh, there's some tanks rolling in. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. I, I think the one thing we always got to remember, though, is like, as much as, as much as Russia has been doing things, Ukraine hasn't been like, been like losing massive ground by any stretch of the means at all. And, you know, it goes back and forth, you know, type scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So they are like doing totally holding the line, they're holding sure. the line. And I watched one, um, I think former seal or maybe screen for anyways, show some body cam footage of mm -hmm. like going into their trench. And like, I mean, you feel bad cause it's like you know, totally looking Russian conscript. Just walks right into yeah, yeah, right into it. Um, yeah, so yeah, oofda. Ugh. So what happens to Russia? I don't. Um, in twenty twenty four, I think Russia's like um, whatever we do, we need to find out what's going to happen with elections. Mm. So mm -hmm. that is, I I think everything hinges on presidential elections next year for a lot of stuff. You think they're going to be influencing their elections again, or they're going to try to influence elections? I th potentially, mm -hmm. I. I mean, if I was, uh, yeah. Listen, Russia hoax for for Trump was a pretty real thing. Mm -hmm. So if you already know, like that's already kind of the mindset. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you try to do something? Yep. Yep. Um. Because it was pretty much a hoax. Oh. I mean, they had some farms that influenced some votes, but like, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and by the way, if you're Russia, I will I will put this out there to anyone who thinks about like this like ballot thing with Trump. What what our enemies want is they want chaos. Yep, they want chaos. So January sixth shouldn't have happened. Correct. Probably the, even this whole ballot thing shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Because no matter how you look at it, in both of those scenarios, chaos is the outcome. More chaos starts to happen. And that's that's the thing I think, if there's any gives me heart, some heart palpitations for 2024, it's like that's the, the more. By the way, the border, absolute chaos right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, it is it is boggling to understand because yeah. at some point you're like we've we've been talking about this for years now this isn't like this isn't new this is the result I mean, what of, does it have to happen well this is the result of every i mean you you got to blame everybody every president every congress you know who I don't, you know who kick, I don't just, blame just kicking the can down the road can't believe i'm gonna say this you know who i don't blame 
I don't blame Clinton. Mm. Clinton put up the 93 wall and the fence line and everything mm-hmm. that, each of that was there. Yeah. Yep. Wow. What? You know what? At this point in time, give me any president before 2000. Yeah. Give me any of them. Except Carter. I don't, I don't want Carter. Yeah. Nixon had some problems too. Yeah. Oof, LBJ. That wasn't so good either. There's some problematic ones. There's there. some problematic yeah. ones. Pretty much um, 1950 on, though. I'll take, give me eyes. Okay. We don't have that choice. So for me, what happens to Russia is I think Russia becomes more and more isolated. It becomes the, the North Korea of the Eurasian plane. Really? Yep. Um, Finland has already closed its border. Well, they, no, none of these, none of these, none of these guys can like leave Russia anymore, right? Really? Uh, I mean, some of them. You're can. running into bigger problems than just leaving. The the planes are having to land, uh, having having to have emergency landings because Russia has no way to maintain its fleet anymore. So Russia is becoming. The sanctions are working. They're taking a long time, but they're working. So Russia is going to become more and more isolated. Um, I think it's going to become more of a a 1984 George Orwell society. It's already becoming that. I mean, it's not. It's like it's not even funny anymore. Um, there was a four hour long. I want to say I think it's a four hour long press conference that Putin gave, kind of his annual press conference. And they displayed huge billboards of Putin talking uh, and, and like billboards and, and video screens outside of this mall called the Oceania Mall. Oceania, I think, or something like that. And, and sort of, <laughs> and that's straight, that's from 1984. Oh. Oceania is from 1984. I, I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong, so forgive me, but like, it's it's becoming it's becoming a a society where war is peace. You know, it's it's becoming this 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 society where it's it's uh, it's it's scary. Okay, this, uh, it, this, it's, this it's song extremely scary. Peter. There, there's a song I played for Surge because I'm like, help me translate this because it's all these little girls dancing. Mm-hmm. And there's and it's got a little kind of like tech. I'll be honest, kind of a catchy beat. Mm-hmm. I'm just being real with you. Mm-hmm. It's catchy mm-hmm. beat, okay. And I said translate this, but they kept on saying like "Holy Rus." Mm-hmm. Is that meant to refer to the Holy Russian Empire? Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to pull on people's hearts. That's exactly so. Right. Unlike communism, this time around, it's like some sort of. There is like a spiritual component here where they're they're holding like God and, and but in the form of like the Holy Russian Empire mindset and Putin is its like messenger to get that. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. Am I saying that yep. right? Or leader yep. to, leader to usher that in? Yep. Okay. And I think you know the the Russian mentality is that you, you know you 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 appeal to the Tsar, right? That's that's always been the case. You always appeal to the Tsar. That's what people do. Yeah, but they killed the Tsar. <laughs> not not the people. The the revolutionaries killed the, the revolutionaries Tsar. Are, yeah. But Putin's the new Tsar, and that's what you see why why you see some of these videos. Um 
you know, from from soldiers themselves. We, you know, we turn your attention to Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. We're asking you for your help in getting supplies or getting armaments. Like, you guys, you, you don't understand what's actually happening. You, the appeal to the Tsar is is going to deaf ears, right? Um, same with like mothers and women that have lost their husbands or don't know where they're at. Like they're doing the same exact thing, appealing to the czar and it's not working. So I think Russian society continues to, to um, kind of pigeonhole itself. Um, I think there's going to be some innovation on their side, you know, because they, they're, they're resourceful people, you know, they, they're kind of having to be, they're having to be, um, I think they're able to still get a lot of Western tech through other other means, you know, like through intermediary intermediary countries, that sort of thing. Um, but I think uh, I was going to say I think the body count will start stinking, but it it honestly never has. So I don't think I don't think the body count will ever impact. You don't think so? No. In World War II, how many millions of soldiers died? And it did nothing. It did nothing to stop the 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 chaotic like way of doing war, right? I don't think that's changing here. So um Russia just becomes more isolated. It it uh if uh, I think there's a there's a, another scenario like you know, scenario one is Putin lives. And Putin somehow survives 2024. Um, he has no the all of all of the diplomatic exits to end this war were were passed in 2021, 2022 before the war started. Like every one of them, there's no more di- diplomatic. Way yeah, out of that. I, I will. Let me let me let's remind people about that for a second. Yeah. As much as you might say this war needs to end, keep in mind. The U.S. knew this was going to happen. The U.S. knew in October of 2021. Right. And we tried to warn them not to do it. Yep. And they still did it. The mind was made up. So chapter six of the book. Again, I'm going back to the book, but listen to chapter six of the book. We tried to warn the Ukrainians. One of the, when, when the Ukrainian foreign minister came to the United States to get a briefing, one of the first things that some of one of the generals said, you guys better start digging trenches. And this was October, 2021 because they're coming for you. You better start digging trenches, right? Americans tried to have many, many ways, graceful exits. Don't go down this road. Don't do this. This is a suicide mission for you guys. And unfortunately here we are. Which is why, You, you don't let evil win. Yeah. At the bottom, at the bottom a line, good reminder for us all: you don't want that to be rewarded. Yep. The, if you're against sending your tax payer money, if you're against, if you're a pacifist and you're just against war in general, if you are, if you think that Ukrainian corruption is unacceptable and that Zelensky is getting all this money, you have to stop and ask yourself that question. Am I okay with allowing evil to win? And by the way, 
if this is uh, this maybe makes me wonder if th- if this is why maybe some of the Western leaders like we're not we're not giving peace. Yeah, because they're like we gave you opportunities Absolutely. to not even start this thing. Absolutely, we, we've told you this. Yep, and you still went for it. Ukraine, you cannot listen, get away with this. Listen, Ukraine even itself during Yanukovych's right the, the the disgraced former president. Yeah. They made a law that basically said we're going to be a neutral country. They added it to their constitution. Right when he gets ousted, the new president Petro Poroshenko continued down that road, continued to neutrality. He didn't start talking about NATO initially. Eventually, when things started happening, when Russia started pushing more and more mm-hmm. against Ukraine. He changed his tune. Same with Zelensky. Zelensky did not start talking about NATO. And then he's like, you know what? You guys are pushing us. You guys are pushing us into a, in a quarter. We have no other choice. We got to start talking about NATO again. So if you believe that that we should have a talks, we should have a, a peaceful sell, settlement, there's been years of that happening, attempted happenings of that. And we got nowhere because... This is a this is a death cult. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say, but it's a death cult, and that's how. Um, the, the the second scenario I was going to tell you is what happens if Putin dies. Well, mm-hmm. I think there are enough Putin loyalists in government that they continue down his path. I think the. To those that you those of you that think Ukraine is corrupt, you have no idea how corrupt Russia is. You have absolutely no idea. We don't even have idea how corrupt Russia is. It is corrupt to the core. It is the most corrupt country in the world. Watch the people that got mobilized. What they got mobilized in? Yeah, they're wearing their own Colombia like multicolored jackets. It is the most. I mean. You can point at North Korea, all that stuff. This is the most corrupt country in the world. And it's and it's a facade of, you know, Western technology that's like, oh, we're, yeah, we're building skyscrapers and we've got all this cool stuff. Like, no, 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 listen. There's deep, deep channels of corruption there. So I think, I think honestly, liberalism in Russia is dead. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right. Th- there, there's just no more... There's just no more liberal. Even Navalny, people call him as the you know the the savior of Russia potentially, and he could be a, a you know a, a better politician than Putin. He's he's very weak on Ukraine. He he wants Crimea to be part of Russia. Like he's not he's not going to magically change. He might pull the troops out, but he's not going to change his stance on a lot of stuff. So that is unfortunately where things are at. Um, in my mind. Um, so leadership change or not, I think Russia continues down the road. And I hope I'm wrong. I, honestly, I hope I'm like, there is a people's revolt and everything just shuts down and the you thugs are taken out. But I, but in reality, that's just not been the pattern at all. Yeah. I If, if I could try to create a, an ideal compromise in my mind way of like what could happen. If tomorrow Russia said, you know what? We'll back out. We're gonna take. We're gonna keep Crimea, but we're gonna back everything out elsewhere. I might say take that deal. 
But I don't think they're going to do that. No. Nope. They won't. So. All right. Next fun question. Oh, man. Let's. let's Presidential start. election. Who's yeah. going to win? Who's going to win? <laughs> we will have the most. Unpopular president elected this year. That's my prediction. Either way, right? Oh, we talked a lot about like conservative issues. Mm. The Democrats. Mm-hmm. No primary. Take everybody off. By the way, take take Trump off the ballot. They took all the people who are running against Biden off the ballot. In like New Hampshire, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways, people. That's not good for democracy either. Uh, so, oh man, who wins? You know what? I'm just going to say this now. I, I I have long stated to my friends privately, more so, Kamala Harris should have been the president a long time ago. <laughs> No, Peter. I I know everyone's like that's terrible. She's the most unpopular person in politics right now, pretty much, <laughs> which is kind of true. <laughs> so true. But let me be very clear. I don't think Joe Biden's all there. I I don't I don't think. Okay, let me let me back that up even a step further. It's not. I'm not even saying that he is completely cognitive, like gone. That's not what I'm saying. I just think there's a clear point of like. There isn't as much, there isn't, there isn't, it's not, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's too much. And by the way, just because I believe in the actual system, the next person in charge should be Kamala. That's why I'm saying this. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I, I have, I You're take no record, joy, Peter. I take no joy in wanting Kamala Harris as president. Yeah. I, I. I'm just saying what I don't like is I'm afraid this is showcases how the system is just broken in so yep. many different ways. Yep. And by the way, I would say we'd probably have her for a couple of weeks and then we should get the next person in there. Okay. <laughs> like um, Mike Johnson, right? The speaker of the that's house. True. The speaker of the house. Yeah. Which that was a debacle. Yep. yep. Speaker of the house. Yeah. By the way, conservative Republicans, if you keep doing that, pull that stuff. You don't deserve to win. Yeah. You don't. You don't deserve it. So who do you got? Um, oh, man. <laughs> President, who, who wins? No one. No one. No mm-hmm. one. <laughs> uh, you're telling me I have to choose somebody. Yes, yeah, choose somebody. Okay. I don't even want this. I actually do think, I do think Biden is the worst. I will say that still. I do believe Biden is the worst. Um, outside of maybe Vivek. Outside of maybe Vivek. Maybe. I don't know. But I think Biden still pulls it off. Okay. Uh, for me, I think the the person that wins is is the enemies of the United States. Because you know, the mudslinging oh, yeah. has not started yet. It is going to be ugly 
Yes. It is going to be a disgrace on civility and, and just common sense. Um, I think the, 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 the American people lose. 100% agree with you. They are faced with two of the most unpopular polarizing politicians to choose between, right? Um, and the world has changed so much that there are deep ramifications for choosing one or the other. Like, my worry is if Trump gets chosen as the president, what happens to Ukraine? He was he was pushing towards nationalism and isolationism as, as president in 2016. Mm-hmm. How far does that go now? I don't think we lose. I, I, I don't think... I, I will say this. I don't think Trump maybe is as bad on that as maybe we are giving that in perspective. I think he still wants a deal. I think he will try to make a deal happen. But I it's will, not going to work. Right. That's, which, that's the problem. Which, do you, it's, do you, it's do you, do you remember what he was told? You remember what he said? He's like, well, what if the Russians don't want to make a deal? He's like, then I'll just give more weapons to Ukraine. Yeah. He, he is determined to force a hand somewhere. So... By the way, if that is the mindset, if that is the mm-hmm. mindset, it will not be what the Ukrainians want. I know that much. Mm-hmm. I do know that much. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that would also probably mean they would get they would get their F sixteen immediately. Yeah, does that make sense? I think history is gonna. And I mean, he, 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 I think listen, he's, he's like we're gonna, we're going to arm you to the for, you know the teeth. Right? So I've, I've wanted to say this. I think history is going to harshly judge the the political leadership around the world on their speed of delivery of stuff after Ukraine, you know, made their counteroffensive. Like before a lot of stuff was moving in again, probably too slow, but especially now the speed of the rate of which we Ukraine is getting new equipment is going to be judged really critically. I think, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really honest. I'm a little torn on that. I understand yeah. why leaders did what they did. Nobody wanted to give F-16s right out the gate. Yeah. Because they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to put Russia feeling like they got to do something quickly. Everything has been rolled out over time. Now, would that timeline have been nice if it had been sped up a little quicker? I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really blame the mindset though of like, you know, Russia starts bombing Kiev. It's like, we're putting Patriots in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which they did. Which they did. And then they're like, you know, at this point in time, we're going to start putting, we're going to start, we're going to give you M1 Abrams. Mm-hmm. You start getting leopards. Yeah. These were all like, remember, everything. These were all red lines. These right? were all red lines, like yeah. in April. And that's, that's, that's my, my comment is this, is that the world leader should have had some, some balls. Oh, you and, think so? And said, you know what? You, you think We've the, crossed five out of the. 10 or 15 red lines that the, that, that Putin is saying are, are going to cause, you know, yeah. World War III. Screw that. We're going to give them I, everything they need. I, I think so. But, the, but see, this goes back to, I'll, I'll put it, I'll, I'll once again remind, I, I think we got to remind ourselves, we were just starting to get out of COVID. Yeah. Yep. Secondly, Europe hadn't had a battle since the end of World War yep. II like this. So, Nobody wanted this thing. 
It's true. And if there's any, if actually now, I think next time around, I think the U.S. government, I don't think they were wrong in actually stating like they're going to invade. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember them saying this and everyone's like, we don't believe you because mm-hmm. you're the military industrial complex. You just want war. Mm-hmm. Now looking back on it, I feel like I'm glad they did that. I think they could do it two months earlier now again. Yep. yep. So that's my concern with Trump. Is okay. he, he he slows down things or you th- you you think he slows down things? Yeah, I think he might ramp it up. Yeah, and 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 that's right. Do you know? I mean, we don't. We're, we're not talking about we don't. We're not talking about ISIS until Biden again. Yeah, and that's where I think where maybe he's he's just pontificating a lot of stuff and just just spitting out stuff that sounds good to his base. But then when he gets in, he's like, Putin's a He's an evil dude. I looked him in the eyes and I said, Vladimir, you're one evil son of a gun. <laughs> no, he, listen, so, okay, my prediction. Can, can you say that? Can you say that? I looked at the fields of Mariupol. I the looked Donbass, at the and I was appalled. Beautiful country before the war, I'll tell you that. Beautiful, beautiful. But I was appalled at what I saw. Who knows, yeah. So, um, my prediction is this, if Trump manages to stay out of legal hot water and actually gets, gets to be able to be put if he on, gets state, on the ballot, on the ballot, you think he wins? I think this becomes the most contentious presidential election in history. I think this could be really, there'll be recounts, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas are going to look a little different next year. People. Yep. yep. Um, but I think he... My my personal take, <laughs> yes, there is a lot of dissatisfaction on the Democratic side with Biden. Absolutely, and there's a lot of sixty percent of his own base doesn't want him to run. I actually think yep. it's now at seventy percent. Yep, and so and 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 how they're shutting down, like you said, the primaries in in some of these states. I think that's going to come to bite them, and so I think Trump comes out with a he squeaks out a victory. You think Trump squeaks out of victory? I think Trump squeaks Whoa. out. Whoa. You heard that you heard that right, folks. You know what? We will do a presidential election night. Listen, and I, I think. I'm not saying I'm happy about it. I'm not happy with either choice, man. I mean, I, I think Trump has done some great things. Listen. But at the same time, he's done some terrible things with with you know with Ukraine and stuff. And so I've said this before that my primary issue in this this election is probably Ukraine war. It is. Yeah. Yep. That's why um, I love like Nikki Haley to win because I think she would, she would, those F 16s would be on their way already. But that is true. That's probably not going to happen. Probably so. not going to happen. I listen, he's not a big Ukraine guy. That's my, that's my biggest gripe with the guy. Yeah. But um, otherwise, I am a big fan of RFK. Okay. But not. On the Ukraine side of it. That's my biggest gripe with him. Yeah. Right now. Yep. And that, see, that's that's another thing that... that that's what I mean by his like... His resurgence or surge in the polls. Just, dude, he's, he's doing better at young voters than yeah, any other it's, candidate it's going right to now. Throw, it's going in to throw... In swing states, by the chaos. way. Chaos, again, Peter. Yeah. Chaos, right? We Ka- talked oh, about that. You, this is the problem right now. You can't tell if you're a Republican or Democrat if he's a good thing for you or a bad thing for you, mm-hmm. because he's leading amongst, I think under age 40 in swing states. 
Yeah. Nobody's talking about that very much right now. And the question is, will that continue? I don't know. I I think his defense of Israel is is pretty profound. And what I would love is for him to sh- to to carry that over to Ukraine. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, however. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe this goes away. What are you hopeful for? There we go. What am I hopeful for? Oh, man. If I could made, wave my magic wand, we would just have somebody. You know what? I think Shap- I think Ben Shapiro said this right. The closest person who runs to sanity the quickest wins. Mm. Mm-hmm. Between Trump or Biden. But the problem is, is like, we don't know what Biden is saying anyways. <laughs> and Trump is wild. He's insane. He's insane. <laughs> in some ways. In some ways. So it's like, we're, 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 we can't, no, there's no, there's, there never seems to be a fully sane yeah. choice here. And given, they're all human. So let's just yeah. start with that. And that's probably why, you know, sometimes, I'll be honest, RFK stands because he's like, listen, I don't I don't regret the fact that people who disagree with me still like me. Yeah. And he's like, We we keep on training, we're gonna try to unify this country. We gotta figure out somehow to do a way to do this. Yeah. Um, we can't keep calling each other names all the time. And that's honestly one of the reasons I think he's very moderate on everything. Yeah. He is a non interventionist. They're all non interventionists except Nikki Haley, pretty much. Yeah. Um uh, so, so. I, I say all that to say. What am I hopeful for? Oh, man. Okay. If Joe Biden wins, which I'm afraid he is going to. Joe Biden wins. Joe, fix the border. Mm -hmm. Fix it. I don't know what you are waiting for, man. Fix the border. Fix the border. Just, my goodness. Should he fix the border, Peter? He should he should he should fix <laughs> the border. Yeah. Yeah. Um if Trump wins, okay. Um also fix the border. Also fix the border. And you know what? Don't leave our allies in the lurch. Yeah. Like like Biden did. Don't do it. By the way, when I say that I'm talking about kind of pre um mm-hmm. Like Afghanistan was a, just an absolute debacle. Yeah, absolute oh, debacle. Yeah. Don't yep. really want to get started on that. So, uh, don't don't leave our allies in the lurch. Yep. Don't leave them in the lurch. I am hopeful for oh. an end to hostilities in Ukraine. I mean, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna. Oh, be really? There. Yeah, I think that. Um, I'm hopeful that <laughs> either militarily, yeah, or politically. The fighting stops. I mean, to be honest, for both sides, Russia can't afford this war. Russia is already deep in in debt with this war. With their population, with all that stuff. Ukraine is a little bit, I think, better on the population front. Like, not not number of population, uh, but more of like future. Yeah. Russians just not having kids, and he lost three hundred fifty thousand men. That's 
that's, well, a, well, that's a death of a society. Right what about there. Ukraine on that front? Do you know? It's not as bad as Russia. It isn't. No. I'm not sure the, the exact numbers, but of course the men aren't being, I mean, just being honest, yeah. the men aren't be able to really hang around their wives really much for right now. No. Much. Yeah. It, but that's true on the Russian side. I think well. a lot of Ukrainians, I mean, they have large families and you know, all that sort of thing. That's so cool. yeah, I think I'm hopeful for an end to the, you know, to the war and that, um, there would be a strengthening of, of Ukraine, a strengthening of Europe. And I think that that is a good thing for the entire world. Even if we don't, I mean, my, my, even if Ukraine wins, you know, and by wins, I mean, they get their territory and the fighting stops. And even if we don't ever, if you never want to hear about Ukraine ever again, you know that Ukraine will be become a major power in the world just by their military prowess right now. And yes, they've got they've got issues. They've got stuff to fix and deal with. But man, are they are they on the on the cutting edge of warfare right now? And are they showing up and making a lot of nations question, do we really need that $300 million? ship or can we just start using some kind of asymmetric warfare um so that's what i'm hopeful for i'm hopeful for the u.s finding a way to keep maritime shipment yeah um in play uh i i think i think the, the the flip side of all this is we need to build back the industrial base i i completely believe that um, more North America side here, but um, I'm just looking at my equipment on this desk right now, and I'm thinking to myself, "This got shipped here." Mm-hmm. So, people, if you like stuff, <laughs> you you need to keep shipping in play. Yeah. This goes back to what am I hopeful for? Okay, last my high up fifty thousand foot mm-hmm. level. I'm hopeful for the U.S. gets better at logistics. No more shipping delays. Same day Amazon okay. Amazon Prime. Get the stuff in. This sounds terrible. Lock the border down, and help our allies. Mm-hmm. Can we? You know, if I was going to run, that's what I would do it. I think I'd put it like that. I'd be like, <laughs> we are going to work hard to, um, I don't know, I just feel like inflation is going to be something that's going to carry on for quite a while, but um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think 2024 is going to be a wild year. Yeah. Wild year. So for all of you. Yeah, we're we're going to. We're going to look ahead. Um, it's been kind of interesting to look back at uh, <laughs> this year. Um, yeah. It does feel a little different than last year this time. It sure does. It sure does. Yeah. So here's to a better 2024. That's, that's all I'm going to say, man. Here's to all our 
our hopeful things happening and all our predictions yeah. not. Yeah. So except the good ones. Except the good ones. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Alright, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this online, stick it all the way. Truly appreciate it. For those of you running, hope you finish that mile. For those of you who are or driving your car, we hope you make it to your destination. Thank you again. We truly, truly appreciate you all. Um, we do hope that you had a good 2023. Yeah. And regardless of what happens externally in the world, we do hope that you continue to work on yourself, work on those around you, to help make 2024 a good year for you and them alike. So, thank you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone. All right. Stay present. Cheers.